0: I'm I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I, I was at the French laundry when the All-Star Game was going on. Oh, it's over It's over You have to be willing to, to rewash a movie. quick. quick. You can't do that again! That's not <laughs> fair! Barber banana! Plop, please don't aggregate this. Lillard, Long Range 3! The, their defense is atrocious. I'm, I'm sort of the rock star. Right on the cowboy! People!
1: People. Tiso Tiso
0: is the official watch of the NBA.
1: Everybody who listens to this podcast
0: knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm, I'm oddly intrigued mean. by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love Napoleon. Here. Oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just it's hitting me right, right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? Hey!
1: All right, we are uh, back on the line. Ben Cross down in Philly. Um, Ben, we are uh, back in the saddle here after the All-Star break. Things are ramping up in the NBA as uh, teams get ready for the playoff push. BC how you doing man are you uh you getting ready to, as we move uh, from February into March here with uh, NBA basketball
2: I'm doing great Chris the uh yeah the season's chugging along um mm-hmm. it's kind of you know it's a little bit of a of a dead time in the NBA yeah. um but it's also getting to be crunch time in fantasy hoops uh, yeah, I believe sure. we've got uh two or three more uh, matchups left in our regular season before the playoffs begin. Oh, um, if I'm not mistaken, both our teams are playoff bound yet again yeah. this season. Looks like. Well, yeah, so, like, um, yeah, it's, it's that, uh, it's that, it's that crunch time is, uh, is imminent. It's yeah, it's getting it's, exciting. It's
1: funny. I don't, I, I feel like, um, you know, it is. This is usually kind of like the lull in the season where it kind of, it, teams get, it just gets a little boring. It can, it can feel a little boring at times. Yeah. But I think in the Western Conference, especially, like, I'm really interested, actually, much more than I was last year by some of the, uh, the lower seeded
2: playoff teams and oh yeah, like that race can, that race for eighth is, is definitely going to yeah, be fun.
1: Yeah, like we're recording this on Friday and this will be out on Monday, so that means last night the Lakers and the Pelicans will have played again on uh, on prime time. It's like I, I couldn't be more fired up every time I hear the Pelicans are on TV. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm interested to see if they can make a run, if the Blazers can back can back, get back into it, if
2: the Grizzlies can make a push. You watched that uh, that, that full game, right? The last Zion versus LeBron showdown? Yeah, yeah. What were your uh, impressions there?
1: It was just super interesting to watch, like, you you know, like stylistically the Pelicans fly up and down the court. I mean, it's pretty clear at this point that, like, Zion, you know, knock on wood that he stays healthy is going to be a major force in the NBA. Like, there's no doubt about it. You can just see stylistically, physically, like he is – big and imposing enough and he has like the freakish athleticism to transcend any of his shortcomings and yeah. it's going to work. I mean like there was a jump ball where I think it was like he and Javel McGee were going up for a rebound and, and he, it lo- they had like a still frame of them of them both like g- going for the ball. Zion snatches the ball away from Javale McGee. They freeze frame the the image. It was like he he must he looked like he was like three and a half four feet off the ground, uh, yeah. you know, because he's six seven. McGee is like seven foot, and he snatches the ball yeah. away from him.
2: McGee McGee is seven footer with like yeah. pretty considerable leaping ability. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, st- still in his uh, in his in his older years, yeah, uh, can um, like it off the ground.
1: Yeah, but I mean, anytime he's on TV, anytime the Pelicans are on TV now, I, I try to watch him. But you know, and it's not just Zion, like Brandon Ingram's playing great, Lonzo Ball's coming into his own, Drew Holiday's spectacular, Josh Drew Hartwell. Holiday, who just yeah. had a,
2: a great, great guest appearance, <laughs> appearance. on the JJ Reddick the, podcast. That's right. That's which, right. Which we urge all of our listeners to check out. That's yeah. right.
1: Yeah, man. Like, they, they are a really interesting compelling watch. so uh anytime the pelicans are on tv I- i'm tuning in but uh yeah. we should say it man we are doing something a little different today that's right a little <laughs> different today uh how should we introduce this uh well i stuff? think
2: we should let's frame it with how we were inspired uh, right. in fact it it was that um right. due to uh that very lakers game right. um which you were tuning in for, mm. and you sent me um, a, uh, a text um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, alerting me to... Because I, I was not watching the game, um, but you checked it out, and you sent me a text alerting me to a really important development, Um, uh, a kind of uh, a surprising um, sort of turn of events that that I was not expecting, but why don't don't you explain what you saw on your television? Yeah,
1: basically, uh, if folks weren't watching the the game, uh, I guess probably now, at this point, it was like a week ago, uh, they had Ric Flair, the WWF wrestler uh, uh, Ric Flair came out and uh, the nature boy, Ric Flair, came out... That's right. ...and fired up the, the crowd.
0: Los Angeles, home of the greatest franchise in sports, the L.A. Lakers, and the home of the greatest athlete in the world today, LeBron James, the king. Woo! Woo! It was like, wow. Lakers!
1: This yeah. feels like the perfect... Uh, convergence of wrestling personality and NBA franchise. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like Rick Flair and the Los Angeles Lakers. It's like
2: a marriage made in heaven. Those two. It made two such complete, perfect, sense. utter sense. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh yeah, Rick Flair is the WWF embodiment. He is the yes the, the, uh, the
1: spiritual embodiment of everything that is the Lakers, and the Lakers are everything that is Rick Flair.
2: Right, right. There's a, cor- there's a one-to-one correlation yeah. between the world of basketball and the world of professional wrestling. Yes. Uh, and in, in that correlation is embodied by the Lakers and Ric Flair uh, being joined together. So That's that right. got us to thinking, Chris. Yes. That got us to thinking, who would be the WWF mascot, uh, you know, sort of spirit animal mm-hmm. um, for each NBA basketball team? Incredible. Um, <laughs> which is, I mean, I can't tell you, this might be the most excited I've been. Wow. I mean, we've had a lot of great drafts, obviously, yeah. uh, some, some amazing deep dives. All of our listeners know that, um, that we, that we've really relished, but this might be, um, the most excited, the most giddy I've felt as soon as, as soon as we sort of like hit on this idea, yeah. we were just like, boom, off to the races. Yeah. Um, now we should, we should make a couple things clear totally. up at the top here. Um, uh, you and I are both wrestling fans, quote unquote, um, but not current wrestling fans. That's right. Um, I would say that I, um, at one point in my life, wrestling was my greatest passion, professional wrestling, WWF wrestling. Um, and that point was from about 1989, (laughs) maybe 90 to 1993 and that was it. After that, I was completely done. Yeah. Um, but those formative years, you know, I was, this is was when I was turning, you know, from about age, I guess, in seven, eight to like eleven, like ten, eleven. Yeah. Um, I like I, I can't I can't really describe my, the level of my obsession and passion um, yeah. for this uh, for this entertainment product. Um, so. Um This I, it's not really a draft. We're we're going to be going through all thirty NBA teams here. Yeah. Well, twenty the twenty nine remaining because number one, the first one is already taken care of for right. us. The Lakers. So we've
1: already decided Rick Flair and the Lakers make
2: sense. Right. No. No use relitigating that. That's it. exactly that's that's boom done case closed. Um. But we decided that um we should kind of stick to you know what we know what we're most passionate about and it and it makes sense because Rick Flair. Mm. Um, you know, Ric Flair did have a, a very lengthy, uh, and storied, uh, professional wrestling career, uh, it spanned decades. Um, but at least in my memory, like his peak was kind of the early nineties when he came, yeah. he came into the WWF, like from a different organization. He was in the, like, uh, I don't know, like WCW at one point, NWO, like there were, I don't know, all sorts of different, yeah. um, you know, kind of, um, Uh, what do you call them? Um,
1: Federations of, yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly, circuits and stuff. Um, But I always remember him as a WWF wrestler because that's what I watched as a kid. So we decided that we're going to limit this to just the late 80s, early 90s stable of wrestling, WWF wrestling stars. Now, I um, take pains to call it, to refer to it as its proper name, WWF, and not Mm. WWE, which I... Do not recognize. I do not as recognize
1: the WWE as an institution, n- as a product. No. Yeah,
2: it was. Um, yeah, that that does not exist. Um, so yeah, we're talking. Uh, <laughs> we're talking some early '90s WWF, and we're talking some NBA basketball teams. Now, um I should
1: say, Ben. For me, uh, you know, first of all, there are a number of teams. We did this in a limited amount of time, so. There was only so much research. The book. Yeah, of us this came do.
2: together very quickly, folks. And we really this is we're flying by the seat of our pants here.
1: Definitely. I should also say, like for me, um, I, I would say this was like a very fluid process, and this will very much be like a fluid conversation uh, for me. In that, like on some of these, first of all, I don't have a wrestler for every team. There are a couple teams oh, yeah. where I couldn't even. I couldn't even come to a conclusion. You
2: know what I mean? I didn't. I didn't have a wrestler for every team, and I didn't have a team for certain wrestlers that mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh well, we, th- this guy needs to be included." Right. Uh, you know, some some major names, which we'll be getting to. Well, right. This is going to be a very fluid, very free flowing, yeah. open ended conversation. We, you know, we're, we're going to be talking out. Um, this is going to be a process, folks. We don't have yes. the results decided. Um, we will right, be deciding them through the process there aren't of this podcast. Right and
1: wrong answers. So it's more just kind of this is who i was thinking this is who i was thinking maybe we can come to some sort of agreement and if we don't yeah. that's okay too it's it's just about sort of generating some ideas and names for for different
2: teams i so, would say that i feel like there are right and wrong answers <laughs> for <course>. certain teams <laughs> yes. um but there are others that i am completely yeah. um you know kind of kind of open open-ended uh um you know kind of yeah. uh, unsettled on so um. Well, yeah. Wow. Do you want to
1: start alphabetically with uh with with the whole league? We can start with the Atlanta Hawks.
2: Oh wow! I didn't even think of the order we were or, going to be going in here. Yeah. Um, or if you would
1: prefer a different order, that's fine too. If you want to go Eastern Conference versus Western Conference, that's fine too. I'm I'm open to either. Uh.
2: Let's see. I guess alphabetical makes the most sense. Um. What? I kind of have my list organized by like ones I felt most strongly about to gotcha. least strongly about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But but why don't we go alphabetical? That'll maybe that'll kind of like help jog my, my brain a little bit. Okay. Um, and uh, and I'll and I'll be able to kind of like look at things from a fresh perspective. So um, great. So, so yeah, that's a, so that's a good idea. We
1: can start uh, if you, if you want. I can text you an alphabetical list of all the teams in the league. Would that be helpful?
2: Uh, I mean, I think you. I, I would trust you to just. You okay. can just be the BRMC our emcee okay. here and and and, uh, and name the teams as we go. All
1: right, then our first team, Ben, is the Atlanta Hawks.
2: Atlanta Hawks. Um, do you want to scroll down find find your notes on the Atlanta Hawks? Uh, yeah, I um I have it. I have a uh, a wrestler picked out now. Now, uh, as a reminder here, this is this is the wrestler that. Um, is the sort of mascot, the representative of mm-hmm, the team. Mm-hmm. Um, he can act as the you know the pregame announcer. He can mm-hmm. act as halftime entertainment. He is the global ambassador for the team. He's really everything that the team represents. He is their symbol, um, yeah. the, their outward-facing symbol to the rest of the world. Yes. Um, so, uh, so with that in mind, here, um, do you want me to start, or, or do you want to name sure. your your yeah? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, there's going to be certain, uh, like I said, there's certain ones that I feel really firm, mm-hmm. uh, firm on, and there's others that are a lot more uh, loose and kind yeah. of. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be difficult to to articulate mm-hmm. uh, to to really <laughs> convey exactly why um, I feel the way I feel. Um, but I'll just go ahead and and get the process started by saying uh, (laughs) my early 90s WWF wrestler uh, representative for the Atlanta Hawks is Papa Shango. Wow. (laughs) Papa Shango Papa Shango I don't know if anyone <laughs> I don't know that I remembers know. Papa Shango Papa Shango yeah. Okay I'm googling well, this now Okay Oh yeah. sure Papa Shango Papa yep, Shango
1: yep, yep. Of course He was This is He was, he was You psycho
2: <laughs> Yeah Papa oh, Shango boy. was kind of a Controversial wrestler um, What was his deal he, Wasn't it like voodoo or He was a witch doctor Chris <laughs> Witch doctor Yeah um, uh, Of course so, you know, he kinda came out now we don't have to get through like the history of every single wrestler. So this is gonna this is probably gonna be like a four hour long episode. Um, but basically he kinda like as with all of these wrestlers, or most of them, um he kinda like, you know, kicked around uh, sort of smaller um uh, in, you know, wrestling promotions. That's the word I was looking for earlier, promotions. Um, and then came into the WWF around uh, 1992, like, 91, 92, um, and, uh, and was billed as a voodoo practitioner. Um, he came out, he had a crazy, crazy look um, with, like, um, you know, he, he like, came out carrying a, a skull with, like, smoke billowing out of it. He had this, like, crazy, uh, like, Beagle Juice top hat with, like, a yeah. big... Like bone, like, a uh, necklace made of bones We should talk
1: about the face paint I mean he is wearing yeah, yeah. like a necklace of bones uh, His face is painted like a skull He has an elaborate top hat Some sort of like uh, uh, Some sort of staff With a skull on top of that mm-hmm. um, Just very, very intimidating For a
2: child to yeah. be
1: looking at Yeah,
2: Absolutely terrifying Um and, uh, and it turns out he would actually use his, his voodoo, his dark arts, um, to, uh, to um, chilling effect uh, at times in, in the square and circle, in the wrestling ring. Uh, he was often uh, a, um, uh, known to turn out the lights in the arena um, through, through black magic. Um, so sometimes the, the whole arena would just go dark when he came out or even like, during a match. Um, He would cast spells on his opponents that would sometimes cause them to double over in pain. And at one point, um, uh, actually cast a spell on the ultimate warrior that caused him to vomit. um, Which was a really indelible moment, uh, having watched that live as a child on television. Yeah, that's Um, something
1: I think we should stress early on is that, you know, these were our... (laughs) These were we were introduced to these characters as impressionable
2: kids, extremely and impressionable. Uh, you know, like obviously, I understood that wrestling was fake, <laughs> right. but I was young enough to to be like, I'm yeah. I'm invested in this. Like, sure. I, I like I am like rooting passionately for certain wrestlers and against other wrestlers um and these these, like storylines are
1: it was just kind of like that's a witch doctor either way like whether like that is definitely someone that like plays with black magic yeah and it was very you know very impressionable to, to be watching this stuff as a child on like saturday sunday mornings
2: um oh yeah wow yeah um so then the question becomes why the correlation with the Hawks. <laughs> why Papashango for uh for the Atlanta Hawks and that's a tougher one to explain okay. Chris. Um there's something <laughs> I mean there's something kind of um a, a little like witchy and crazy about the Atlanta Hawks. They're uh-huh. very uh you know they're very youthful and kind of like unproven they're not good Mm -hmm. so papashango was never a very successful wrestler i don't think i think he like i don't know maybe he challenged for like an intercontinental belt at one point or something like that but um his his uh stint as papashango didn't last long he was later uh sort of recast as a different wrestler called the godfather the same the same guy this guy named charles Wright uh who who uh actually played him uh was changed in like the mid 90s um so he was never, you know, like a a big, um, you know, huge character. But you know, it was, it was it's more like uh, when you watched him, he left a he kind of like left a mark, much the same way the Atlanta Hawks. Even if they don't win basketball games, they have like uh, such a kind of like distinct style, and they're so yeah, uh, you know, with Trey Young. And now I, it's a lot of it is really based on Trey Young. There's something.
1: <laughs> you basically feel Trey Young is a witch.
2: Doctor. I kind of, I kind of feel like Trey Young might be a witch doctor. I he see. might be a, vo- okay. uh, he might be a voodoo practitioner. Okay. Um, there's something about his skull and r- his. I
1: can ha- rally around that. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's something about his skull and his hair uh, that remind that is very uh, reminiscent of uh, Papa Shango. Go. Interesting um okay yeah i don't know really Great. how else to explain it beyond so that what are your me, let what are me your throw thoughts?
1: out some thoughts uh for my wrestler and then uh yeah we can just kind of hash it out and and go sure there. so um the the wrestling personality that i chose for the atlanta hawks was jimmy Hart, the mouth of the south ring
0: ring hello hello hey it's cindy in <laughs> No, who is this? What do you mean, who is this? It's a Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. Where is she? She's going to the Rick Springfield concert.
1: Rick Springfield. Mm. Now, Jimmy Hart, of course, was a, he wrestled a little bit, but mostly he was known in the WWF as a manager. Right, so right. So he was famous for managing Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart. Um, he, he managed Greg the, the Hammer Valentine. Uh, he managed Jerry Lawler. The million oh, yeah, dollar. all the greats, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mountie earthquake. So, um, he was he was he he made a living, uh, and and uh, a, as a as a as a mouthpiece, basically, as a manager, a hype man for the uh, for some some of the major personalities in the WWF. Mm-hmm. And his trademark, uh, was his was his megaphone. And that's right, um, there is something about those two things the megaphone. And being, you know, dubbing himself the mouth of the South, that just kind of made sense a little bit for me with the Atlanta Hawks. They were never, the Hawks have never been really good uh, in my lifetime. They've never really been like a great team. Uh, They've been like kind of a frisky team. And, um, yeah, that's kind of like who Jimmy Hart was to me, was this kind of like little man who's just kind of like running at the mouth, causing trouble, screaming Mm -hmm. at people, you know, like, like, uh, what's that expression? Like a dog who has like a, he doesn't have much bite, like, uh, like a lot of bark. All all bark, no bite. Yeah. Oh, he
2: was, oh, he was the definition of all bark, no bite. That was like his whole gimmick was just like being an annoying pest. Yeah. Um, but you know what? He was always around. He was like always he was always in the mix um, yep uh, I feel like you're right like throughout my entire I mean my you know my wrestling uh, cons- period wasn't wasn't a long one um, but but, yeah, he was, like, always, it was always uh, able trouble. to, like, to he, it, remain relevant. Like, he would always just, like, latch on to, like, the next guy, the yeah. next big thing. He was
1: like a leech, basically. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just kind of like a leech that was always, like, there when there was, like, a main event. He was always, like, representing some like, one of the big, you know, wrestlers uh, vying for the championship belt. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, like, symbolically in my lifetime. And also, I should say... Um, What's interesting about this exercise is like you kind of have to boil down what each of these NBA franchises kind of fundamentally is and was about. And sometimes for me that was like currently and then sometimes that was for me like... Who I remember them to be during the '90s when I was a wrestling mm,
2: fan, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, totally.
1: And and it's usually some some sort of combination of both of those things, kind of like what my memory of the Hawks once were and what the Hawks kind of now are, and if those things can still sort of be the same thing. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's kind of like who the Hawks still kind of are, which is like they're kind of a pest they may one day be good. We don't ever know if they'll be great, but they're always gonna be kind of hanging around. And that mm-hmm. to me is what Jimmy Hart was. Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the
2: South, the Atlanta Hawk. Yeah, gosh, I like that a lot. Um I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm only I'm a, I'm slightly hung up on the fact that he really wasn't a wrestler. Yes. Um, and I don't totally quite fair. know. I don't know. But there's no rule necessarily. We, we you know. We didn't say. Yeah. I, mean, yeah.
1: I, th- I think it's all just the, the universe of WWF personalities. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean,
2: uh, it's too bad that he never managed Papa Shango. Yeah, uh, I was actually just something. looking that up. Yeah, that would, that would really be something. <laughs> that really would have yeah. would have made it all come together. Um, all right, so
1: we have Papa Shango and Jimmy Hart here for the Atlanta Hawks. In the interest of time, Ben, I'm going to keep us moving. We okay, should, we'll uh, mark
2: that down as a as a as a tie. Maybe sure. we'll say Papa Shango managed by Jimmy Hart in great. our alternate fictional universe. Great,
1: great, great. Now, next alphabetically, we have the Boston Celtics.
2: Ooh, ooh.
1: Bean Boston Celtics. Um, yeah. You gave us your uh, pick
2: first last time, so why don't I start? us Yeah, off? You, why don't you take this one? Yeah.
1: So um, this one's a, a little bit of a vanilla choice for me, but um, I just couldn't find, you know, any other way to do it. Uh, the, the Celtics are one of the classic, you know, like franchises in pro sports, and for me, the Boston Celtics really were uh, rowdy, rowdy Piper. Um, wow, interesting. Yeah, okay. you know. Piper looks kind of uh, average. I mean, he just looked like kind of like an average guy. On the Yeah, outside. he's an everyman. Yeah. yeah, he's an everyman. And he looks basically like he kind of had like a dad bod or something. You know what I mean? He, he, uh, he was never any of this like he never had like the hulking physique or anything like that. But what mm-hmm. made Piper successful then was like his his inner drive and oh, like, yeah, his like passion, his spirit, yeah, yeah, his passion, and that to me is sort of emblematic of the Boston Celtics and their ethos, which is like, we might not be talented, we might not be the most talented, but we'll work the hardest, mm. and um, I couldn't sort of get around that, this sort of Scottish element of of Rowdy Piper, who is Canadian but claiming Scottish heritage, wearing the Celts. Um, right enters to the bagpipes you know go it, it's in line with the do Boston
2: we know why land. exactly he decided to embrace a completely non-reality-based scottish heritage i think he
1: i think he is he's from canada but i think like mm-hmm. his ancestry is scottish and then oh, okay he so he claimed he claimed that he was from glasgow which is not mm. at all. He like he's from like Ontario or whatever.
2: Uh born in Saskatchewan. Okay. There. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Canada. Yeah, that would be Canada. So um,
1: um yeah, so but like between the the bagpipe entrance, wearing the kilt, sort of being this like rage-filled Scottish guy, uh y- y- again, like not a hulking physique. He he basically could have been a backup power forward on the Celtics, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like during the eighties played with Larry bird. So uh, yeah, my, my choice was rowdy, rod- rowdy, rowdy Piper. Uh, curious to hear who you had for, uh, for the Boston Celtics.
2: Yeah. Wik- Wikipedia notes here that he earned the nicknames rowdy and hot rod by despite, Displaying his trademark Scottish rage, <laughs> <laughs> spontaneity, and quick wit. There you go. Um, so, uh, as always, WWF uh, trafficking and just horrible, horrible stereotypes. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, I, I I like that pick. I like the fact that it's someone who feels like kind of a classic, like a like a yeah. like a legend. Um, although my one. Uh, sort of nit to pick with that would be that Roddy Piper was always very likable, mm. even as even when he was a heel mm-hmm. or you know villain, um, he was always someone that was very kind of entertaining right. and humorous. Um, I always uh, always really loved him and rooted for him as a kid, um, and he had a real charm to him, which I don't um, yeah. I don't think the Celtics share. I, I think the Celtics are um, you know boring and kind of miserable um you know obviously that's just uh my my sports fan opinion um so i went with someone um uh who is similarly like a a kind of an old school um you know kind of legendary wrestler but who is not likable at all Uh, and that is the iron sheik um now that's like a pretty... <laughs> that's a little <loaded laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I know that's a, that's a big one. Uh, the Iron Sheik is one of the most hated wrestlers in history. Yep. Um, you know, one of the great heels. Um, uh, a guy who in real life is kind of a psychopath, uh, if anyone's ever seen, watched the documentary about him, uh, which I recommend. Um, but I wasn't totally... Uh, you know, I wasn't really like hard and fast committed to this pick I I was just I kind of picked him by default because I was just like who's like an old uh, like kind of an old fashioned kind of born like the Iron Sheik's real prime was like before I got into wrestling so I didn't really watch him doing his thing at his peak Um, in fact uh he hit the the my real kind of introduction to him when i started watching wrestling is was in relation to another wrestler sergeant slaughter which we uh, may or may not be getting to later in, in this process but um yeah so i don't know i'm not uh i'm i'm kind of torn there i like i hear you i like piper but i like i like piper too much to to associate him with um with a a franchise that yeah yeah, really frankly like i got i got no love for um (laughs) i think they i mean more more because of the you know the hated bm um bmm that we all know about Uh the the boston media mafia um so i don't know i'm uh sheik the iron sheik that's your kind (laughs) of kind of torn here yeah unless (laughs) unless we can find someone who's like kind of a, a medium like maybe we just go with someone who's like kind of Boring. Gotcha. And and old. Um... All
1: right. Maybe we circle back on the Celtics.
2: Okay, we can circle back on that yeah, one. All let's... right. I, at one point, I, I initially put uh, Andre the Giant down for the Celtics just because it's like, yeah, you know, who's like kind of like the biggest, most classic, kind of well-known. Yep. Yep. They're like, you know, the fran- the franchise that kind of represents
1: one of the... you know the
2: history of basketball. Yada yeah. yada. And Andre the Giant is that. But again, Andre the Giant was likable. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, one of
1: those tricky things about this exercise where like, you ha- I I had the issue. I'm sure we'll have a couple of them for me that'll come up where it's like, how can you associate that wrestler with that city? you know what i mean like based it, it, there's it's just a very complicated exercise to put to put it like. it is yeah. it is yeah all right
2: well let's it, not be too hard on ourselves yeah. we can we can come back to that in the
1: one. interest of time let's move on to the brooklyn nets uh mm. the brooklyn nets former new jersey nets the current brooklyn nets who, you, who do you have been?
2: Um, All right. So I'm going to kind of break the rules a little bit here. Um, I'm going to say that the Brooklyn Nets are associated with um, a wrestler who was played by a guy that was at one time a WWF wrestler. But the character, the actual wrestler that I associate with the Nets was a WCW character. Okay. (laughs) And that is the Shockmaster. Shockmaster. (laughs) Yeah. Um, now, that's a name that a lot of you uh, uh, wrestling fans might not remember.
1: Um, oh, God. oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Of course. Um, the Shockmaster was played by uh, a guy named Fred Ottman, oh, who, was, uh, who was previously um, played in the WWF. From 1989 to 1993, under the ring names Tugboat and Typhoon. Uh, Typhoon, of course, is, was when he uh, teamed up with Earthquake to form oh, the uh, Natural Disasters. Of course,
1: he was Tugboat.
2: Yeah, yeah, but Tugboat was his was his kind of first um, yeah W W F character. I know him as uh, came, yeah, yeah. came out in the in the in the red and white stripes with the <laughs> yeah. with the sailor hat, which was probably a normal sized sailor hat, but on his um, let's see six foot three 383 pound frame looked yeah. like a little tiny like uh piece of paper on top of his head oh man. um tugboat was great i'm just looking um, at the images of tugboat of course yeah of course oh yeah yeah Tug- tugboat was awesome um but i uh but i'm going with the Shockmaster, which is a wrestler that i had never heard of up until uh i started researching for this episode um, but when you think of the Brooklyn Nets and their long and storied history, yeah. just the proud, um, you know, uh, accomplishments uh, of that, of that, uh, incredible franchise, of course, led by owner Joe Tsai, mm-hmm. um, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, um, the thing, uh, that, that really made the most sense was to, uh. Was to um, have them represented by the Shockmaster. Now, the Shockmaster was a WCW character. So, um, after departing from the WWF, uh, Otman decided to join up with the WCW, and he was introduced um, in that uh, in that um, whatever federation um, uh, on a uh, on a segment called. uh, a Flair for the Gold, which was an interview show hosted by Ric Flair, mm. um, and <laughs> I just have to read from Wikipedia here. Um, so uh, let's see: uh, Flair for the Gold interview segment hosted by Ric Flair in front of a live audience. Uh, there were a few different wrestlers that were kind of like um, uh, you know creating a feud uh, in the lead up to a um, to a to a, a big showdown that was going to be like a multi uh, man tag tag team match. Um, so anyway, uh, they have, uh, Sting and Davey Boy Smith, who was another former WWF, uh, wrestler, uh, the British Bulldog who came over to the WCW anyway. Uh, so during the interview segment, um, oh, and then, uh, Sid Vicious are there, uh, is, is, also there. Um, uh, anyway, so they're announcing this new partner, uh, who's going to join their, their tag team. Um, and, uh, so uh, on this uh, this show, hosted by Ric Flair, Sting and Smith were confronted by Sid and, and Harlem Heat, uh, who were uh, two uh, another tag team, uh, demanding to know the identity of their new partner. Sting exclaimed,
0: "All I have to say is our partner is going to shock the world because he is none other than the Shock."
2: Master. At which point, a uh, small ty- pyrotechnics explosion goes off on the screen. And a man um, uh, explodes through a sheetrock wall. Um, However, uh, instead of uh, blasting through the sheetrock wall, um, uh, Otman, who is in a new costume consisting of a Star Wars Stormtrooper helmet painted purple and covered in silver glitter, uh, a pair of jeans and a large black puffy vest. Uh Um, As he attempted to crash through the wall, he tripped over a piece of lumber that was framing the set, causing him to fall forward through the wall with his helmet falling off and sliding across the floor. (laughs) His face accidentally exposed, he scrambled to put the helmet back on His vicious, restraining laughter exclaimed, Oh God. <laughs> Ottman, <laughs> Ottman donned the helmet and got back on his feet, shifting his weight and dusting his hands off in an attempt to shrug off the gaff. While Harlem Heat's Cole asked, Who is this motherfucker? And Smith, this is Davy Boy Smith, who is British, yeah. exclaimed, He fell flat on his arse. He fell flat on his fucking arse. Both of these comments were audible to the live audience and television viewers. Um, Ottman then began gesturing toward his would-be opponents. Several seconds before a menacingly gravelly off-screen voice, um, who could be heard laughing, before he began speaking, which was supposed to be the voice of of you know this new wrestler behind the <laughs> the stormtrooper mask.
0: So you're the man that rules the world. They call me the Shockmaster
2: um by by which by now the uh glitter from the mask is like all over uh the chest i have to just kind of uh urge everyone to go ahead and and yeah. google we'll tweet shock we'll shock tweet. master incident yeah. yeah we'll put it in the in the uh, in the show notes um but it it went down as one of the most infamous and comical um uh you know character wrestler introductions in history, um, and it's really just the perfect embodiment well, of the uh, of the Brooklyn Nets franchise, if you ask me. All
1: right, so for the Brooklyn Nets, I have two... Uh, I'll, I'll be really quick here, because I don't have a lot to say. I came up with two names, um, and I can talk through the logic real quickly. The first that I thought about with the Brooklyn Nets, with the Brooklyn Nets was um, the Honky Tonk Man, who was basically just an Elvis impersonator. That's um, right. And he didn't really have much of a career, And uh, there was something apropos about, yeah, this guy who was just, like, impersonating uh, someone that he was not, which to me felt, like, (laughs) symbolic of, like, who the Nets are. Oh, man. Um, And then the other one that I came up with was, uh, this is maybe a little bit of a deep cut. I don't know if you were around this point in the WWF history, but uh,
2: Doink the Clown? Oh, my God. So I (laughs) have... I had like four possibilities for the Nets, and Doink the clown was absolutely written down as one of the four. Yeah.
1: Um, Doink how would you describe Doink? <laughs> he was well, just Doink like, was a clown. He was, like an he was basically like the joker. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, how he was like a renegade like his he was thing was like chaos and like Yeah, he
2: was just like causing chaos and 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 being mischievous um, and kind of evil. Um, and he was actually like kind of cool at first. I remember, like, because he really did do like some weird, like, kind of like bizarre, fucked up stuff. Um, and then he just be- kind of became just like a ridiculous gimmick at one point. He had like a little uh baby clown called Dink. Um, yeah, I don't that's know right, if you remember Dink, right. yep, 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 um, right. but he quickly became just like a, a, a punchline and a joke, and they got rid of him after like, a couple years. Um, Yeah, but I also wrote down Doink. Um, uh, I mean, he was a clown, uh, uh, so that that's pretty apropos. Yeah, that's Um, me
1: felt like in line with what what the Nets are kind of you know, which is just kind of their whole thing is wearing like neon green hair and these outlandish costumes, and we're gonna say these wild things and try to create some buzz. Yeah, and, the kids are the kids are gonna love us. Yeah, they're well, gonna they're gonna they're gonna eat this up. Maybe if we have like neon green hair and like this like y- you know yellow bodysuit and you know white face paint, you know maybe maybe the kids will 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 eat it up. But uh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't doesn't didn't, never really stuck.
2: So, Didn't quite um, catch on. Yeah,
1: yeah. those were, were those were the two names I came up with: uh, the Honky
2: Tonk Man and Doing the Clown. <laughs> um, so. I really love the the Honky Tonk Man yeah. <laughs> pretending to be someone he's not. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Uh, that's very like deep, kind deeply fitting. The other option I had was I don't know if you remember the One Two Three Kid. He oh. came on like oh, yeah. right towards the end. He was like a nineteen ninety three, like right before I started to tune out. But he was, like, the, the hot, young, new, like, wrestler that was, like, supposed to be, like, really cool. Right. Uh, that was going to be, like, kind of like the next generation of, like, uh-huh. you know, Up like, kind of cool badass. Right. Um, but he was called the one two three Kid, and he was a huge fucking dork, and everyone hated him. Gotcha. Um, and then he later transformed into an actual, like, successful popular wrestler, X-Pac. Um, mm. But that was, like, kind of mid to late 90s, Uh when i uh when i when i tuned out um but the one two three kid in terms of like you know like something that's like hip and young and fresh that like the kids will think is cool um but that actually is not that that seemed um seemed kind of uh you know representative of, of the nets and what they're what you know they're what they're about. all about alright i'm um, gonna
1: keep us marching on here ben just for the interest all right. of time we got a lot of teams all right so yeah, let's yeah. move <laughs> on to the charlotte hornets um, for the Charlotte Hornets, the name that I came up with. It might take you a second here to wrap your head around how this one connects, but the name that mm. I came up with was Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Ooh. And so something I actually did not realize about Jimmy Superfly Snuka until doing a little bit of research is he did uh, sort of allegedly maybe
2: murder his girlfriend. Yeah, I, uh, I discovered that as well in my research. Which
1: is, like, not a laughing matter. And it seems mm, no. the evidence is pretty clearly points to that he may have done
2: it. Um, yeah, it, it happened that, during the an, early 80s. And yeah, 1983 incident. And uh, it was dismissed. Definitely and domestic and they, abuse. Yeah, they. it seemed like he
1: just beat the crap out of this woman who eventually passed away and no charges were ever pr- for were never pressed for some reason and then in, until like 2015 or 16 it sort of got relitigated the case came up he was actually uh, pressed with charges and they were gonna bring him to trial but they the judge ordered that he was uh, unfit to to stand trial he
2: was like mentally unfit and then right. I think suffering he, from dementia, dementia at that time by gross. that time yeah and then he passed away i guess like not a couple long after
1: yeah. Um, yeah but the reason i chose uh, superfly snooker for the charlotte hornets was this jimmy superfly snooker his thing was always uh flying off the top ropes his whole thing was yeah. being this like innovative high flyer and when i kind of boil down the charlotte hornets and who they were and who they are it is kind of about um, these kind of like—I don't mean to say outlandish—but these kind of high-flying stunts. These guys, these dunkers. When I think of the Hornets, I think of basically Hugo the Hornet jumping off the trampoline. I think of Larry Johnson, basically mm-hmm. like the high-flying dunkers who wore, you know, the teal. And yeah. that was kind of the connection I made with Snuka, who wore like the leopard print. It was this guy wearing these like leopard print costumes, flying off the ropes? And maybe never being like a, a, one of the elite level champions of, of the uh, WWF, but kind of like a real showman. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. what I think of when I think of the Charlotte Hornets, which just kind of, uh, you know, like just like uh, acrobatic dunkers and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, it's a great pick. Uh, Superfly was definitely like one of those wrestlers where I was like, "Okay, this is going to be a a, yeah. a really key key guy. Who do I yeah. who do I give him to?" Um, and it, it's funny, I basically I I gave him to a different team. Yeah. Um but that is like similar for all the same reasons, for the exact yeah. same reasons. Um and and because of that, I kind of didn't really have a great uh, pick for the Hornets. I I went with Razor Ramon. Gotcha. But that was just kind of by default because yeah. he was like, kind of a uh, like he was another one of those guys that was sort of new uh, next generation type guy um, yeah. in like 1992 93. Um, kind of had like the swagger, the, the um, you know oozing with machismo. Um, he was a pretty great character. Um, I don't know if it totally fits the Hornets, but in terms of like the kind of like uh, edgy, yep. like youthfulness of him um, when he when he first arrived, um, that's kind of why I settled on him. Cool. But I like I like Superfly Snooker too a lot for the Hornets. Um, I think I was thinking more like modern day Hornets, which are just kind of like. Eh, like, th- yeah. they're they're not really making me feel much of anything, right? Um, so I gave him a wrestler that was kind of like forgettable. Um, but but if you are talking about the early '90s Hornets, like yeah, I think Superfly is is pretty is pretty perfect. Um, so I'm I'm pretty happy with that okay. one, and then we'll have to I'll have, we'll have yeah, to figure yeah. out who I'll who I'll um uh, I'll put down for my other team that I had initially penciled in Great. for for Superfly. Let's
1: move on to the Chicago Bulls. Um, hmm. Why don't you give us who you have for the Chicago Bulls?
2: Uh, so this was one that took me a while, same. but i th- I think I'm pretty <laughs> I think I'm pretty happy with where I wound up. Okay. For the Chicago Bulls, I am nominating Sergeant Slaughter. Dude, me too. Really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I'm so yes. glad we wound up on the same spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All That's right. So amazing. talk me through your logic. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, well, there's a couple elements kind of all working together that I think make this work. Um, number one, uh, Sergeant Slaughter was by far enemy number one uh, when I was uh, a, a youthful wrestling fan. Yes. He was, of course, uh, the, the man, the wrestler, who, um, thanks to the, the uh, machinations of WWF storytelling, uh, became the symbol for uh, Saddam Hussein. The OG and, uh,
1: turncoat, yeah.
2: Yes, uh, he was an Iraqi sympathizer <laughs> at the time of Gulf War One. Yes. Um, just full-on... be clear, uh, this is cl- an
1: American sergeant. An American... Like, military yeah.
2: sergeant. A, uh, a sergeant. His whole character was he's a sergeant. He's a military sergeant. He dressed in fatigues That's with a right. big... You know, kind of drill sergeant hat, uh, went around with uh, with his combat boots and his whistle yep. that he would constantly be blowing in uh, in, in commentators' ears. Um, he was considered
1: but, uh, the, the most feared drill instructor of all time. He was, right. he was a Marine. He was a Vietnam he was a, vet.
2: Uh, he was a pretty big. He was a pretty big uh, baby face in the eight in like the mid eighties, which right. I didn't realize. Um, he was like a pretty big star. Um, Kind of, like, you know, behind Hulk Hogan, um, but but sort of before Hogan really blew up, he was kind of like one of the one of the big good guys. Um, and then you know, once Hogan arrived, he slaughter left for like some other, um, uh, some other uh, organizations and then returned to the WWF, I think, in like 80, I don't know, 89 or 90, I want to say. Mm. Um, and then, um, by the time, <laughs> by the time Iraq. Uh, invaded Kuwait uh, in real life, they decided they needed someone to represent um, this actual real-life enemy of America. Um, And, and, I mean, we could do an entire episode getting into the whole, like, kind of geopolitics and and American propaganda of uh, early 90s WWF. Mm. Um, But basically, you know, having... Sergeant Slaughter. By the as... way, I
1: completely nominate that for a summer, summertime episode.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So maybe we'll just save. I would love to the, deep dive. the bulk of this. I would
1: love to do a deep dive on Sergeant Slaughter and the Iraq War. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: But uh, but needless to say, he became the the, the symbol of of Iraq, um, pitted against Hulk Hogan, who of course was the symbol of America, um, on uh, on different uh, kind of promos. Uh, slaughter. Was seen alongside his uh, manager, um, uh, General Andan. So at the time that he uh, he turned and became an Iraqi sympathizer, uh, he aligned himself uh, with a uh, a kayfabe Iraqi military general, General Adnan, um, who was actually an old wrestler and a a, a rival of of, uh, of Slaughter's, like back in like the early eighties. Um, but, um, but by like 1990, 91, um, he, he became his kind of like manager. Um, now general Adnan, (laughs) who I didn't realize, uh, this at the time, but, uh, doing thanks to the, uh, the beauty of research, I discovered that, um, this guy was an, an actual Iraqi former professional wrestler. Um, he was, uh, born in 1939, um, in, uh in Baghdad, um, and it turns out that um, he was actually a real-life friend of Saddam Hussein's. (laughs) Uh, It says here uh, in Wikipedia that in 1971, um, Adnan defeated Andre the Giant in uh, al Shab Stadium in Baghdad under the auspices of his former friend at high school, Saddam Hussein. Incredible. Um, So, that's... Curious to me. I didn't realize that Sergeant Slaughter, like, you know, while, um, you know, obviously in real life, Sergeant Slaughter was a guy from Detroit, Michigan, um, and clearly not uh, an Iraqi sympathizer. In fact, at one point, Vince McMahon asked uh, Sergeant Slaughter to burn an American flag uh, live on air and um, he refused to do it and instead he burned a poster of Hulk Hogan and later a uh, Hulk Hogan uh, shirt what's this? He actually had a lot of trouble sometimes doing his promos, um, you know, in, in character as a, as an Iraqi sympathizer. Um, and mind you, this is you know at the height of the um, actual War. Gulf War, when the entire country, which was a, a you know a, a pretty like universally popular, you know, there wasn't at least at the you know in my memory there wasn't like a big anti-war movement. Right. It was kind of like yeah yeah like we're all on board with this. Um, uh, anyway, so. Um. Yeah, it was a really interesting time in WWF history. Um. And um, what, I just want to <laughs> so. say, like,
1: how brilliant of a move is it from a marketing perspective? I mean, like Vince McMahon basically just like wanted to. see... It seemed like he wanted to just to like enrage his audience. And oh like, yeah. what what better way to like in completely you know poke them in the eye than to have a uh, have a have a general in, like, army fatigues uh, come out as a, an Iraqi and Saddam Hussein sympathizer. It was just yeah. amazing, amazing.
2: Well, the coolest part was that, so he still had his army fatigues on, but when he, during his sympathizer period, he came out wearing, like, sunglasses and, and like, an Iraqi headdress. Yeah. Um, That's, that uh, was,
1: like, poking the bear in the eye. Yeah.
2: And, like, had, like, the Iraqi flag with him all the time. Yep. Um, like, he was full on. And I went back and, like, watched some of these promos, and... It lines up with my memory. This guy was so fucking good at what he was doing. Oh yeah, he was so detestable. Yeah, so awful. Um, just an absolute piece of shit. He was the meanest um, drill
1: sergeant of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, um, it just like it totally fell in line. It was like, it, yeah. what could be more mean than being a army general in America and sympathizing with Iraq?
0: Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, it uh, it says here in Wikipedia that um. Uh, That the the decision was made to have Slaughter support the Iraqi cause, not for actual political reasons, but more for the fact that Slaughter liked, quote, brutality. Yes. And the Iraqi government was brutal, while the U.S. regime was said by Slaughter to have become soft and weak. Amazing. All right, so Um, let's
1: tie this back to the Chicago Bulls. So how does does Sergeant Slaughter uh, align with us uh, with the Chicago Bulls?
2: Well, this, this one's pretty simple, Chris. I hated Sergeant Slaughter in, uh, as a kid, and yes. I hated the Chicago Bulls yes. as a kid. It's not really any more complicated than that. The Chicago Bulls um, were just as bad as Saddam Hussein <laughs> in my eyes uh, around 1993 uh, when they were defeating my beloved Knicks um, on the way to multiple championships. Um, and, um, and so on top of that, Sergeant Slaughter just looks like a dude from Chicago. Yes. Um, he's just a big fat guy with a massive chin and a handlebar mustache. Yes. And I could just see him being Don't on like...
1: Bears games. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Being in like the SNL Da Bears sketch. Yeah. Um. Like, he just absolutely, it turns out he's actually from Detroit, Michigan, yeah. but he just as well uh, could have been from Chicago, just, you uh, Yeah, and you know. also
1: I just feel like he was a guy, before the heel turn with uh, the Iraq Saddam stuff, he was a guy that was like a, you know, superstar champion wrestler draped in the American flag. He was like, his whole thing was being pro-America. And that did feel like where we were at in the early to mid 90s with the Chicago Bulls, which was like, yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. we all had that friend or those friends that like rooted for the Chicago Bulls because they were winning. Yeah, and they were the best. And it was like those, that that just sucked so bad.
2: Yeah, by the way, we're talking about Billy Scafieri specifically (laughs) here, if if you're listening.
1: And uh, so... Yeah, I mean, Sergeant Slaughter was, you know, was like the, um, he, he was an American star and then he had a heel turn as a, as, as an Iraqi sympathizer, as a Saddam sympathizer. And uh, that is why Sergeant Slaughter is our wrestler for the Chicago Bulls. Ben, let's move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Oof, boy. I guess you, you started us off with the Bulls so I can give my wrestler for the Cavs um, I am very this is a very much like a fluid choice for me I can be talked yeah, in and too. out of it um, but for me I'll need some help with this guy I don't know a ton about him believe it or not but for me the the guy that I selected Cleveland Cavs was Dusty Rhodes The American Dream mm. and Dusty Rhodes in doing a bit of research what I learned was like the pure the epitome of a babyface wrestler but to me he just like had this sort of like journeyman work ethic this kind of like every man you know sort of body he was you know he was like a heavier guy a husky guy had like the, oh, the, yeah. the mullet a
2: bowling ball body
1: Bowling Ball Body had the mullet um and he obviously you know he had feuds with uh with with Rick Flair and um you know he was he's was very much like an underdog story and that to me is kind of who the Cavs are uh you know if if you can i mean it's it's hard to talk about the Cavs as an underdog, when we think about the recent history of the Cavs with LeBron, but when I think of the Cavs, I still sort of harken back to like the Mark Price Cavaliers, sort of mm-hmm. you know like when they were the real Brad like, Darty, yeah, yeah, like the Rust Belt Cavaliers, kind of like the uh, Larry
2: Nance Senior, yeah, yeah,
1: like the down on their luck Cavaliers. And that, to me... Craig Elo
2: getting owned by Jordan. Yeah,
1: that, to me, was sort of embodied a bit in uh, in Dusty Rhodes' The American Dream. Hmm. I'm not sure who... Uh, who did you come up for the, for the Cleveland Cavs?
2: The Cleveland Cavs were the last team on my list um, because I just feel so little towards this team. Yeah. Um, as we've discussed in, on past episodes, I just can't find myself to care about them. Even weirdly, even when LeBron James was like, winning like titles and like taking them to the finals. It was never about the Cavs. It was just like, was Oh, this is LeBron. About, it was a
1: LeBron vehicle more. About, yeah, yeah.
2: Like I, like that entire franchise exists for LeBron to have come and won them a championship and then left. And they mean nothing other th- other than that. Um, so I, uh, I just kind of had a list of, of, random names of wrestlers that um Existed and that I watched wrestle frequently, but that I just did not care about at all. Wow. Okay. Um. I'll just name. I'll reel a, a couple of them off. Uh. Paul Roma, <laughs> Greg, the, Greg the Hammer, Valentine, sure. yeah. Dino Bravo, uh, Her- Hercules. I don't know if you remember Hercules. Uh. No. No one does. Tito Santana. Uh-huh. I don't know. These were all wrestlers. Uh. Technically, they were. They existed. They <laughs> wrestled. Yeah. Um. They technically and that's kind existed. of. Yeah. That's kinda how I feel about the Cavs. Okay. Like they play other other basketball teams, um, uh, but they don't really matter. Um gotcha. but I like I mean I I do like the so I had um I had Dusty Rhodes for another team, okay. but I think that Dusty Rhodes absolutely fits in that mold of kinda like, yeah, just like an average guy who's like just around, he's there. I think Dusty Rhodes was definitely more successful than than yeah. the guys I just named. Yeah. But but had that same sort of like pretty forgettable. Like, didn't really have a like his gimmick was like his weird polka dot tights and like he like exactly. danced around. Yeah. Um, and he had like blonde hair. Um, and that was kind of it. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I could go with Dusty Rhodes uh, for the Cavs. The thing and that then, like
1: swung me for Dusty Rhodes and the Cavs is when I heard him speak in a promo, he spoke with an affect that was sort of this like, blue collar midwestern thing where i was like Mm. yeah and just even the name like dusty it was like yeah, that's kind of what Cleveland is. Like, oh, yeah, you know extremely I mean? middle it's America. It's like a factory. Yeah. You know, it's like this is a guy that could like work in a factory.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, his factory got shut down, and that's why he had to start wrestling. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Yeah.
1: take it or leave it. Uh, let's move on now to the Dallas Mavericks, Ben.
2: Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, Here let me go. know who you came up with for the Dallas Mavericks. I went with... Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I don't know why. It just made sense. Um, The Mavericks are um, awful. They're evil. They're bad. We all know that. Uh, The million-dollar man was one of the great heels. Got to give a shout-out at this point to... Uh, my, grand, my grandfather, Norman Shore, who um, was the man who introduced me to wrestling, um, he, he, is, he was one of, like, the most brilliant uh, people. He was, like, he, like, went to Harvard when he was, like, 14 years old. Uh, he was a lawyer, like, wrote um, books about uh, words, like, wrote, like, kind of, like, these, like, dictionary books, like, four of them, just, like, for fun. Um, was just a, a brilliant guy. Uh, extremely intellectual, but loved professional wrestling. And I remember as, like, a seven-year-old or something like that, like, sitting on the couch with him watching TV, um, and I'll, like, never forget, like, my first time, um, like, it, would, it just, like, came on, and I was like, what is this? Um, and he told me all about it, and the first uh, match that we watched was a Million Dollar Man match. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this guy sucks. He's so, like, look at him. He's so cocky. Evil. like, comes out in his tuxedo evil. My grandfather... That was his favorite wrestler. Of course, my my grandfather was a a real like I said he was real intellectual. Uh, He understood deeply like like what wrestling was and like what it was meant to be. And he was like, no, this guy's actually the best because he is the most evil. He is so good at being evil. Um, And my grandfather just like loved him. He like ate him up. Um, And so that's why even though I hated him, I was always kind of like. Respect to Million Dollar Man. Um, He is, uh, yeah, he was just the the best heel. I mean, there were other guys that were, you know, more evil, like Sgt. Slaughter. But he was just like the most weaselly, annoying, um, Mm -hmm. just uh, incredible character. One of the best uh, things that WWF ever did. Um, and uh, and then you have the Mavericks, who are from Dallas, which <laughs> is an awful uh, city. Um, you know, obviously home to the Dallas Cowboys, sure. who are the Loathsome. NFL equivalent of the Million Dollar Man. Yeah, um, it's a great. Point. They're not quite. They're not quite on like Cowboys level in terms of like detestable, but they're like really close. Um, they're getting. They are there, man. of course. They are, of course, owned by Mark Cuban, who is pretty much million-dollar man um, yes. in real life, <laughs> um, without being quite as like obvious about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Luka Doncic, Kristaps, Porzingis, these guys, they're, they're just million-dollar man-type type players. Love it. Um, so, yeah, that's my pick.
1: Okay, so my pick, I love that. My pick for the, for the Mavericks is actually Razor Ramon. Uh, mm, and, that's another good one. Yeah, Razor Ram- Ramones sort of in a similar vein. Ooh, I like that a lot. Just kind of I'm chewing thinking about it. the toothpick. Yeah, <laughs> you know extremely I mean? sleazy and extreme, greasy. Like his whole brand was being sleazy and gross. He had, of yeah. course, the <laughs> tight little shorts with the word Razor <laughs> uh, across yeah. the crotch. Um, the Jerry <laughs> Curl. Uh, and, and like he was always Ooh. just making this face. He was always making this face at the crowd. Yeah, the little sneer. Yeah, the little like snicker. Um, and it was just, like, very gross. Like, he was just, like, his whole brand was being, like, a sleazy, gross guy. And that, yeah. to me, is kind of who fundamentally the, the Mavericks are, which is, like, mm. they're kind of like, look, Ooh. we know we're gross. Like, look at these deep Elam jerseys that we're wearing. We're, like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Dallas Mavericks, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. They're into it. They are not hiding from it. You know, Razor Ramon had this sort of, like, uh, I, I read somewhere that like he was basically like a ripoff of um, of the character from uh, the movie Scarface, <laughs> and oh wow, that, that like definitely made sense to me. And um, you know, like he just he just seemed to me like someone that you wouldn't want your like daughter to ever date, Razor Ramon. Oh yeah, that, he was a bad boy. That kind of I had that same feeling about the Dallas Mavericks. Like women should never be allowed to be around. Like. Any of the mm-hmm. people associated with the Dallas Mavericks or Mark Cuban, so um, Razor Ramon was my choice for the Mavericks. I love Ted DiBiase as well, the Million Dollar Man. I think both are really wow. solid choices.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I the more the more you explain it, the more I, I'm kind of leaning towards Razor Ramon. I like it because they are they're sort of like new money. Well, I mean DiBiase was new money, but he was like '80s money, whereas like Ramon was like. A little bit like sleazier, like '90s, like yeah. kind of like probably like not even actually rich, no. just like wanted to, wanted to had, present himself as yeah, rich.
1: Like had the gold chains. He used to wear like, yeah. several gold chains. He just oh, felt yeah, like yeah. he just feels like someone that like. Taps Porzingis would like want to hang out with,
2: right? Well, he's he's Euro trash. even though he was. I'm I'm looking it up now, and and he was in fact billed as a a, a Cuban American, okay, uh, from from Miami. That's where he was, uh, you know, kind of billed from, yeah. Um, but um, oh wow, yeah. So I'm reading now. So his nickname was the bad guy, and his catchphrase was, well, other than oozing with machismo, um, his catchphrase was "say hello to the bad guy," which of course is from Tony Montana oh, and right. Scarface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Wow! All right. Yeah. Um, Anyways,
1: so that, I like I like it. I, yeah, uh, I think they right. both work. We don't have to pick one or the other. Uh, okay. Two fun okay. wrestlers. All right. Let's move now. Let's move on now to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I'll give you my choice for the Nuggets. I came up with um, came up with earthquake. Um, Mm. earthquake uh I could uh, th- this one I'm very fluid on I can be talked in or out of it earthquake was a uh, one-time sumo wrestling champ uh he you know <laughs> he he was just he was a a literal like massive 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 dude um, yeah he was he, a big boy he stunned the wWF when he attacked jake the snake roberts and uh, if memory serves- crushed crushed damien yep <laughs> damien the snake correctly he crushed uh jake roberts snake by sitting on it um yep. and he not only sat on the snake and killed his his pet python he then cooked and ate
2: it uh yes to so you watched the same did i send you that or no. i think i like I, I almost did wow yeah no he served snake burgers <laughs> <laughs> After killing the snake, yeah. um, he I mean truly he, uh, sick, like a truly sick thing. Yeah, he was a, he was a it. real sicko. <laughs> yeah, he rolled out the skin. And then he went backstage and brought out a tray of hamburgers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, is the earthquake ready? Where I think he is. I uh, I can smell it in the air. All right. The earthquake earlier on, as you know, we went out to cook some quake burgers quake and-, um,
2: and fed them to Vince McMahon, oh, okay. uh, Bobby, Bobby Heenan, and Lord Alfred Payton. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: somehow they didn't really think twice or question it before they started consuming these hamburgers. Um, but uh, just a few seconds into the meal Earthquake did in fact reveal That they were uh, made from snake meat
0: This is disgusting You're a disgusting human being oh, Come on Absolutely disgusting Take a Like Damien And this is what you do You bring a skin out earlier on You bring this out You think this is funny You've been cooking You think this is funny I
1: gotta eat. It. Yeah, it's just—it's not okay. Totally psychotic. Yeah, um, I—I'm not really sure. Earthquake makes sense for the Denver Nuggets. You know, when I think about the Denver Nuggets, ultimately, like stylistically, I think of like high-scoring offense, running up and down the court, dunking, all that sort of stuff. That's certainly not. Who Earthquake was in the ring, but I do think of like Earthquake, the physique, the mountains, the, you know, like the Rocky Mountains, just sort of like. Right. The, even
2: like his, yeah, his outfit, his, yeah. his like spandex thing had like the, um, the, um, kind of like jagged lo- like exactly. line of like the, um, uh, what do you call that? Like the um, the seismic, uh, like yeah, r- exactly like readings. Yeah, yeah, Richter scale readings, Richter exactly. Scale. Yeah, um, yeah. Which kind of look like a like a mountain yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. I kinda, think kinda that is. Sub- the... I
1: think that's subconsciously maybe mm-hmm. how I got to earthquake and the Denver Nuggets. But yeah, mm-hmm, I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear who uh, you came up with for for
2: the Nuggets. I mean, is it also related to uh, the physique of of Nikola Jokic? Is that <laughs> was there any connection there? I mean, yeah. that seems like kind of a subtext here. Sure. But I don't know. I don't want to. Maybe say that out loud, but um. Uh, by the way, Nikola Jokic is like what, did you see that thing that he lost like thirty pounds <laughs> or something was it like that? Pounds? Like twenty pounds, yeah, yeah, <laughs> twenty five or thirty pounds just through the course of playing. I uh, love that guy. Um, I like Earthquake. My pick for the Nuggets uh, was uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Wow, okay, great. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's because I loved Brutus the Barber Beefcake as a kid. He was one of my favorites. He was like kind of second tier, uh, right behind for Hulk Hogan. Sure. Yeah. Um, just such an entertaining ridiculous flamboyant character had the big barber shears the insane uh, like fishnet tights massive like probably the biggest mullet in WWF history uh, just an absolute, like, uh, overstuffed sausage-looking man with, like, bright red skin, covered in baby oil at all times. Um, just really everything you could want in a wrestler. I mean, his name was, uh, Brutus Beefcake. That was his his name. Uh, but of course, with a name like that, you need a nickname. Uh, so they called him the Barber. And, uh, he had giant barber shears, which were, like, hedge trimmers that he would, like, come out, um course he like never used them i don't really know i guess occasionally he would like cut someone's hair off at the end of a match or something yeah um but he was just a really flamboyant uh like ridiculous ridiculous character which i kind of feel like the nuggets they're they're just always a very entertaining um you know high scoring team they're probably my second favorite team in the league yeah um uh behind the knicks because of uh, uh nicole Jokic, who's obviously my adopted son, and um, and yeah, also you know beefcake, which I think is is pretty <laughs> descriptive of uh, of the aforementioned uh, Yo, Nicola. Um So yeah, I, I just kind of feel like the the flamboyance, the the entertainment uh, value, cool. goes goes with the Nuggets. All
1: right, in the interest of time, let's keep it moving on to the Detroit Pistons. Who you got?
2: Uh, let's see, Detroit Pistons. I had. Uh, I had Hacksaw Jim Duggan
1: Wow, oh my god, what a choice
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, how how about you?
1: I love that, okay, so this is a I gotta tell you man, I think we're probably Coming at this from a Slightly similar angle Um, Mm -hmm. This is Some will say this is a Total overreach But my Mm. choice for the Detroit Pistons Is Hulk Hogan and, Ooh, yeah. wow. So let me explain where I'm coming from. So if you set aside, like, the real-life actual politics and facts about Terry Bollea, I think that's how you say his name, Hulk Hogan, yeah. the character in the ring, was basically, like, a real-life superhero. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like, plain and simple, he was the face of wrestling during our childhood. I think mm-hmm. you and I, and he wasn't my favorite wrestler at all, but I think you and I would both agree, like... The understand. the preeminent, like, the force, the number one seed in wrestling during our childhood was probably
2: Hulk Hogan. Hulkamania. Oh, unquestionably, yeah. of course. Hulkamania. He was, like, the biggest star. He transcended wrestling. Yes. He he became a, a the biggest, the first real celebrity. Yeah, he was uh, a presence. And, I mean, there were, like, other, you know, big wrestlers and stuff, but he was, like you know on TV shows he was on talk shows he was on magazine covers he was like he transcended wrestling he
1: he transcended wrestling into just pop culture Um, you know like little kids worship this guy and um, for me like his whole brand was hard work it was like Americana it was this blue collar ethos and, you know, he came out to the song, I'm a real American, right? His whole slogan. I am a real American. <laughs> so like his whole slogan, he would talk to kids was like, say your prayers, do your training and eat your vitamins. And that yeah, to me. Eat your
2: vitamins, say your prayers. Yeah, yep.
1: His charisma was like off the charts. That to me was like that sort of like that whole like hardworking guy in a, in a pickup truck that whole like I go to work every day with a hard hat thing was the Detroit Pistons was this like mm. kind of hard nosed thing. Also like the Hulkster was balding like he wasn't like he wasn't like the p- most glamorous or pretty man in the world. You know what I mean? Like he he prided himself on on being like an every man but in every man on like a superstar level. And I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of what the bad boy Pistons were actually about was like doing, Mm. doing like the, being this like hard nosed thing. Um, So the Hulkster was my choice for the Detroit Pistons. I'm curious to hear how you came up with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who I also love uh, in this.
2: Yeah. I mean, I basically went through all the exact same yeah. calculations that you did, um, and I landed on on hacksaw only because I reserved Hulk for a different team. I understand. But hacksaw Jim Duggan was basically he was just the like the B version of Hulk Hogan. Yes, he was absolutely. billed as America. You know like he, the he, the middle. The, yep. Yeah, uh, like the uh, you know heartland, like hardworking. Yeah. You know, came to work with this giant two by four. Yeah. Um, he was just as patriotic as Hulk Hogan. He often came to the ring with an American flag waving. I feel feel like, um, to be
1: honest with you, Hacksaw Jim Duggan is probably the more appropriate pick here because, frankly, the Hulkster... I mean, the Pistons won, what, two championships? I think the Hulkster was too... Well, three altogether. Three altogether, okay. Yeah, right, right, right. I think the Hulkster was too big of a star and too successful of a star to probably Mm -hmm. peg for the Detroit Pistons. Um, but, um, yeah, I think we both were th- thinking about the same thing for the Pistons, which was that kind of like that edginess, that, that w- hard work, uh, hardworking ethic. Um,
2: yeah, I just the t- blue collar in like the, I, I'm thinking specifically, well, I guess both the bad boys and the, and the O4 Pistons. Right. Um, of course the o4 Pistons like openly embraced like the WWF spirit with their like yeah. bringing their their championship belts to games and stuff and right. uh, Ben Wallace we- wearing actual uh, you know bands on his biceps and stuff right. uh, like a wrestler right um so yeah like to me that uh, that just kind of like made sense the other uh, option that I had for the Pistons mm-hmm. um, and now I think we both agreed like it didn't make sense to Uh, that that all these teams kind of should have a a single uh, mascot um, you know an individual um, singles wrestler but um, if there was one team that deserved a tag team representative it would be the Detroit Pistons being represented by the Legion of Doom um, who were by far my favorite uh, tag team uh, as a a kid of course uh, Hawk and Animal Legion of Doom just the fucking most badass awesome uh, Remind me like the they were gym,
1: were they were they the ones that had the spiky shoulder pads
2: yeah they had big football shoulder pads covered in spikes folks black and red spandex face paint if you didn't one watch with the a the mohawk WWF. one with an inverse mohawk
1: yeah if you didn't watch the WWF as a kid just imagine two wrestlers with spiky shoulder pads jumping off, you know, the turnbuckles. I mean, it was absolutely yeah. psychotic. That these and guys-
2: they were, they were like, massive, muscular, like, meathead dudes yep. who just destroyed people. Like, they were just, like, absolutely brutal. They weren't, like, real high flyers. They would just, like, crush people with their, like, brute strength. Um, they came up to the ring literally, dri- like, riding on motorcycle, on, like, massive motorcycles. Uh, I remember, like, for, like, a, a certain WrestleMania um. Yeah, they were just like the coolest. Uh, everything that you like thought was cool as a kid. They
1: had to have been
2: inspired, maybe by
1: like the Hell's Angels or something. Their whole thing was like your well, terror.
2: Yeah, they were. They were one of uh, a few different teams, along with uh, Demolition, that were definitely inspired by Mad Max, like that oh, whole of course, uh, that makes sense, like franchise. Yeah, yeah like uh, just the the crazy outfits and like the just the, the kind of like violence of of their um, of their whole like personas. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, I love it, man. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with with my hacksaw I like, pick, hacksaw. Um, yeah, I like hacksaw because I'm, a lot. I'm saving. You know, I'm saving the Hulkster. What's
1: tricky about Hulkster and um was tricky about Hulkster and like this exercise at large is like the Hulkster because of his prominence in our childhood and like the way the WWF and Vince McMahon framed him. He basically Hulk Hogan was the protagonist of the WWF. So, mm-hmm. in essence, like in in the way that movies treat a protagonist, like you are basically supposed to see Hulkster in yourself and yourself in the Hulkster, and oh, yeah. and so you understand all these characters in the WWF with their relationship to good and evil. And Hulkster mm-hmm. was supposed to be like the embodiment of good um, mm-hmm. for for a while. So it's it's interesting to think about like when when you put it in those terms, like then who is the who is the me team of the NBA? Who is who is the protagonist of the NBA? Uh, so, anyways, fun, interesting uh, thought experiment there. Let's move on to yes. this to the Golden State Warriors, Ben. Um, I will give you my squad. For, oh, I'll give you my wrestler for the Golden State Warriors. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, so, so for Golden State, I came up with who else but the Ultimate Warrior. Ah, um, uh, okay. And you know, it's funny, man. Like. What I remember about the Ultimate Warrior, and what my eyes tell me as I go back and rewatch his matches, like on YouTube, it, it's funny. Like my memory of him and like rewatching the matches are kind of two different things, and the disparity kind of speaks to what I think the Ultimate Warrior, why he's like the perfect pick for Golden State, which is to say this, uh, stylistically basically they are very similar the golden state warriors and the ultimate warrior are just sort of this overwhelming barrage of like chaotic noise and energy um, hmm. i think many years from now we're going to close our eyes and look back and think about the golden state warriors and and remember a couple of things we're going to remember clay thompson and steph curry draining three-point shots from like half court and we're going to remember like this psychotic draymond green defense of like playing these underman uh centers and power forwards and this Mm -hmm. kind of like blitzkrieg style of play and that to me is what i think of when i when i when i think back on the ultimate warrior who is this guy that just sort of like melted your mind he melted your like sense of reason he had this like bodybuilder physique this insane face, yeah, paint. yeah, one of
2: the most ridiculous bodies yep. uh, in in wrestling. Insane face paint. This like maniac
1: kind of look in his eye. He had the armbands, the hair, yeah, the rambling. One
2: of the one of the, the best uh, entrance music themes yep. ever. Just the end, like the sheer energy. It yep. literally felt like a like a wild animal being released from a cage when and, he came out. And dude,
1: he had this sort of same, uh, like you just said, like released like a cage. He had this sort of like meteoric rise and fall in the WWF like he, all of a sudden he was here one day and
2: then gone um, yeah and I do a kinda, very brief and bright uh flame that that yeah like didn't didn't last long at all it, yeah and it
1: felt kind of similar with the Splash brothers I don't I don't mean to like you know like bury the the Stephen Clay Golden State Warriors but like in the same way I think we're going to think about the way Steph and Clay ushered in a, the end of the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Miami heat era with, mm-hmm. with their warriors team. I think we're going to think that way about the ultimate warrior kind of like bringing an end to the Hulkamania, uh, era in the WWF. And he just kind of like came and then went, he was with us one day and then was gone. So I'm curious hmm.
2: who you have here for the golden state warriors. I like that. That makes, that all makes a lot of sense. I went in a, in a very different direction. I chose Mr. Perfect. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, I love. (laughs) Because um, Mr. Perfect was, of course, the perfect wrestler. He was um, just like technically perfect. He was an incredible athlete. Um, He was this, you know, blonde Adonis with like, you know, beautiful blonde curly hair um and he was um you know he he was billed as the perfect wrestler, he was just like you know crafted from from granite <laughs> um and uh yeah and but he was also extremely fucking annoying and I hated him um and he was like just a, a weasley little rat yes. and um he he was like constantly like just cheating and like being obnoxious um and yet he was still like a really, really good wrestler, so you were like, ah like fuck this guy like he was like a great, um, just a great foil to, like you know the the, the guys that you were rooting for, um, and uh, you know I don't know he just like had that that kind of like West Coast like blonde pretty boy yeah. look, um, and uh, you know he, I just kind of feel like it's what you know when the Warriors were at their peak and like they just like could do no wrong you were just kind of like okay I get it like yeah you're yeah, you're awesome you're, at the, you're the best at this yeah, let's, like let's get this up and. Yeah. And it just became very like, all right, I want you to be defeated. Um yeah. So, um yeah, that was the that was the direction I went. I like I don't know, I like the Ultimate Warrior too though. I didn't um I mean, obviously the warrior warrior thing makes a lot of sense, but your yeah. your deeper dive and analysis uh, really resonates. So, all right, um, yeah, gosh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's
1: fluid here. Let's let's. Uh, I, I I really like Mister Perfect too. That makes total total sense as well. The bleach blonde, yeah. like the bleach blonde California thing, is like very just much
2: like the obnoxious. Like yep. okay, like yep. yeah, you yeah you're perfect. Everyone right. loves you. Right. Everyone thinks you're the best. Totally. You're the greatest. Right. right. Um, And it's, like, very
1: fashionable to like you. But let's see see if you still have any fans, like, two years from now. Right, right. Uh, Let's move on to the Houston Rockets. Um, Curious who you got.
2: Uh, For the Houston Rockets, I picked uh, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Talk us through it. Uh, Just, I mean, similar to Mr. Perfect in that... um, a, a great, great wrestler, but uh, just insufferable, yep. um, awful, incredibly annoying. Um, you we know kind of kind of
1: thinking along similar lines with these. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah.
2: you know, splashed onto the scene. Um, he was he was a, Shawn Michaels, of course, was uh, initially a member of the uh, the tag team the Rockers with uh, his partner Marty Jannetty, mm-hmm. who he double crossed um, and drop kicked and threw through a plate glass window. <laughs> Uh, on an episode of, um, uh, let's see, well, uh, what was the, uh, on the, uh, it was the Barbershop, the Brutus, Brutus the Beefcake, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake's uh, talk yep. show, the Barbershop uh, promo segment, uh, Michael super kicked Giannetti. Insane. Threw him through Insane. a plate glass window, signaling, yep. signaling the breakup of the Rockers, who were one of my, they were like my second favorite tag team behind uh, Legion of Doom. Uh, they were extremely fun and entertaining um, as a tag team. But, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels just got too too big for himself, his britches and decided to go solo. Um, just decided he was too uh, too fucking cool, too hot for, for his partner, Jannetty, who I actually always liked more than Shawn Michaels. Um, so when he did that, I was just like, fuck this guy. I hate him forever. Um, but then he was an awesome wrestler uh, when he went solo. He was super successful. Uh, obviously, was like a great heel, just like this incredibly cocky, vain, like pretty boy. But much like Mr. Perfect, was like technically a great, great wrestler. So he um, he went on to to much success, um, and just kind of had that attitude of like, yeah, I know you hate me, and that just fuels me. And like I want I want you to hate me. I love it. I embrace it. Um, and uh, and I kind of feel like that's what the Houston Rockets are love in the it. NBA.
1: Yeah. Um, man, it's funny, man. It's it's uh, it, the 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 WWF really made a living, I think, with their characters, basically with this dichotomy of
2: creating like good guys and bad guys. Oh yeah, and, that's what all wrestling is—it's just heels and faces.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting when we go about assigning wrestlers to NBA teams because you kind of have to make a decision. You have to like make a—is this a good team or a bad is team? Is this like yeah. an evil team or a pure team? <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. if it's it, it's it's interest, it's interest—it's just interesting to hear like how we are similarly aligned in a lot of cases
2: on who is evil
1: and who is yeah. and who is good. So, I mean, you
2: kind of have to like place your mind back in that of like an eleven-year-old. Exactly. But obviously, I don't actually think the Rockets are evil no, other than no, their no. fucking owner. But like, but you I root for the Rockets. Like, I think fi- they you have
1: to fictionalize an NBA team and treat them like a character in a comic book. Yes. Yeah.
2: If they if they had been scripted by right. like Hollywood or WWF scriptwriters, like would they be good guys or bad guys? Right. So. And the Rockets are obviously bad guys. Rockets <laughs> are
1: very bad, and that's why the wrestler yeah. that I selected for them is
2: ravishing Rick Rude. Oh um, my god. So I saved him for another team but what a great Rick, what a great pick.
1: Rick Rude's whole thing
2: then was basically like showing off his physique
1: specifically his oh abs. my god. He loved oh. his abs and he loved his crotch and he oh would, my god. he would get incredible. In, he would get in the ring then and he would put his hands on his head and sort That's of right. shake his hips and like show off. It was. His a, it
2: wasn't a shake, Chris. It wasn't a shake. It was a swivel. It was a swivel. It was a very like a smooth, fluid, fluid swivel. I mean,
1: it was absolutely detestable. It was. It was just <laughs>
2: awful. It, it was like. Por- it was like pornographically yeah, I, disgusting. I, I mean, like, I don't think. You I, know, I would like, go
1: as far as saying like he basically would maybe like moonlight as like a stripper or something. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Rick Rude, his whole. Thing was just being this like detestable very handsome prick he had yeah. he had a really prominent mustache an incredible head of hair and basically mm. he let the ladies know that when he came in the ring he often would he often would wrestle wearing
2: the uh you know like the spandex Pants with like a woman's face on it Oh yeah The uh, the silk screening uh, on, on his tights was by far Like it, the best in the WWF He would often have faces of women yeah. On his crotch or buttocks Yeah
1: it was just really a Deplorable um, And yeah he was just like uh, He was like the face of chauvinism In the WWF yeah. He It was like his brand his whole thing was being About like how he was like gross Towards women and yeah. that to me does feel a little bit like who the Houston Rockets are, <laughs> which is this sort of like, look, we know you're great, but like you wanna, you don't want to just drain three pointers. You want to drain three pointers and like rub our faces in it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, like I think specifically about. Do you remember last year when Harden crossed up, whoever it was? It wasn't Moharkless,
2: but it was someone like oh it was west uh, yeah
1: wasn't it like like wesley johnson or something on like yeah that makes sons. sense yeah
2: and he stumbled and he just sat sat there and stared like at him
1: for harden, like five seconds yeah, like harden like smiled at him and like looked at him yeah. as like johnson was lying on the
2: ground and then he just
1: drains a three and it was like that's basically who ra- ravishing rick root yeah
2: that was a wrestling move that was yeah. just like and like that was to elicit booze and you did it you nailed yeah. it yeah um yeah i mean as like a heel there's pretty much, like, three routes you can go. Either, you know, an Iraqi war <laughs> sympathizer. Sure. Uh, really, really rich, or really, really vain. Yes. Um, and he leaned Rick, vain. Rude, Rick Rude was the epitome. He was the ap- apotheosis, yeah. like, the, the pinnacle of Vanished. the vain heel. Yeah. Like, he was... Uh, and there have been a lot of... You know, Shawn Michaels was kind of in the same mold, um, but no one did it like, like ravishing one. Yeah. And he was... He was the best. Uh really one of my favorite. <laughs> he was a, a guy like as a kid obviously I hated him cuz I was I, I like as like an, a 9-year-old you don't really think intellectually about this stuff. So you're like, "Oh yeah, like like all of the kind of like storylines and moves and narratives that the WWF, WWF was like trying to get over on you like worked on me. Like they legitimately sincerely like yes, worked on me." Of course, dude. Um and and <laughs> only as like an, an older adult can I like can I go back and like actually appreciate like <laughs> Oh that was that was brilliant. Like that's why like my grandfather like million dollar man was his favorite. Yeah. Um like that's who I would be have, you know, or like Rick Rude would be like my favorite uh watching today because he was just god he was the best. Yeah. All right, let's
1: move on to the Indiana Pacers. Um I will give you my uh choice here so for the pacers the name that i came up with and this was really difficult because this was like an all-time favorite wrestler of mine and obviously like mm. i found the pacers to be so deplorable but yeah. my choice for the, for the indiana pacers was the big boss man yeah, so the big boss yeah. man of course was a former corrections officer from cod county georgia That's right, Cobb County. And, um, yeah, man, like, for me, when I think of the big boss, man, like, he, yeah, he was a corrections officer. His whole thing was, like... Hitting people with his nightstick and handcuffing yeah. him in the ring, um he, punishment and discipline. Basically, he was like—I I mean, I don't mean to joke or make light of this—but he was like the face of like police brutality, like yeah. in, in, in like a WWF character. Like, it's sort yeah, of alarming. That's, uh, it's sort of alarming now because police brutality is such like an, an issue. But like back then, I feel like in the early '90s, we didn't have the. The whatever the the vernacular or the the social awareness to call it what it
2: yeah was. of course that's that's nev- something I never never even thought of no. as a, thought about as a kid no um, we, just, we but just you're absolutely right we just it's assume like,
1: that's like no that's what a policeman's job is is to like beat people up and handcuff them yeah. or
2: something it's like yeah he's you know he means business you know he just hits people with his nightstick and like exactly body slams them yeah
1: he if memory serves correct he i believe during like one of the summer slams in the early 90s he brought one of his opponents to like he oh he brought the mountie he brought the mountie to uh to a jailhouse yeah the jailhouse match summer slam yeah yeah
0: get him in there into the paddy wagon i can't do that beautiful door is locked shut gonna do the jailhouse rock baby Shackling him now <laughs> doesn't look too happy the to mounty on his way out of madison square garden this that, ain't gonna be no honeymoon that may be the last ride we may never see the Mountie again
1: so yeah he was a massive guy he, and he also just looked like a cop he's like 300 plus
2: pounds he had yeah, six foot seven he,
1: six foot seven he had the incredible yeah. goatee i mean he was someone if he played at yeah, the, the NBA, flat
2: top that you could set your watch to
1: think, like honestly, just dude, an incredible look subconsciously he reminded me of greg uh of greg foster who played for the indiana pacers <laughs> yeah and, i can see that um and in terms of like how i got to the indiana pacers and and the big boss man i think it was just like the honest, like, the, like, the, like the brutality of like his style in the ring reminded me of like the, the Davis brothers. Like when, mm, when the Knicks were playing yeah. the Pacers, he, the physical defense. Yeah, yeah. Basically like his, the big boss man's place in the NBA would be like a bruising power forward. Um, yeah. Or, or a Greg Foster type, like underman center. Like he was just there to like be an enforcer to punish his opponent and um and that's how I that's how I came to to the Indiana Pacers. Um, I'm curious who you had and, and what you were thinking with uh, with the Pacers here. Um, also just like well, when I, I went... when I think of Indiana and that part of the country, I'm thinking of like correctional facilities. You know, oh yeah, like, like the federal <clears throat> penitenti- penitentiaries. Um, yeah,
2: there's probably a lot of, of people in Indiana that look a lot like Big Boss Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went with um, so Indiana was the team that I selected for um, Dusty Roads. Wow. Okay. Um, just because you know, again, just like Middle America, kind of average, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just you know fat and mm-hmm. but like you know. I don't know. I I definitely like hated the Pacers a lot more than I hated Dusty Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Dusty Rhodes was never like much of a, yeah. a, a heel. Um, That's what I am
1: saying. Like I hated the Pacers, and I truly yeah. I loved Big Boss Man, even though. Big Boss Man was a villain, to be very clear. Like, he was a yeah, heel. Yeah, he
2: definitely was. M- most of the time, yeah. I yeah. think every now and then he would, like, have a turn. But, um... I think he had pretty heelish behavior. But he was yeah.
1: someone, like... I remember when I played wrestling in my parents' basement growing up with my brothers, I loved being the Big Boss Man because that meant, like, I got to, like... <laughs> I got to do the, um, the, uh, the, the, the clothesline and I got to, like, you know, like, really, like, be, like, brutal and vicious towards my brothers. <laughs> but, like, yeah, that, best. that was his brand, was, like, being, like... Like a like a police enforcer, but he was very good. Like he was a very successful wrestler, which I also think is a part of the Indiana Pacers' story too. Like the Pacers were always in the Eastern Conference Finals or the second round of the playoffs. Like they were always right there, and it always seemed like the big boss man was having these like big important matches too.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, did he? uh, I'm not sure if he ever won an Intercontinental uh, title. Uh, I sure. want to say he did at one point, but I'm not sure. Um, but, wow, that's a really good... Uh, gosh, I think I like that more than than my... Um, uh, although, I did pick Bossman for another team, mm. which I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty yeah, I'm married to. to yeah. Um, yeah. But I like that a lot for the Pacers, because they were like... The Pacers were a heel team. Yes. But they weren't vain, and they weren't rich. No. They were like... They were- so, like, what... Like, what kind of bad guys were they? They were, yeah, they were, like, law and order bad guys. They were, were like, annoying. Yeah. Yeah. They were, like, the
1: bad guys that claimed they were ethical. Um, right, right. Mean, They're like we play basketball the
2: right the way. The right way. The fundamentals. Yeah, They're like
1: the, the bad guys that were into the fundamentals.
2: <laughs> yeah, like right. Just like that whole like Hoosiers attitude Hoosiers. of like, yeah. yeah, we like you know we have grit and yes, that's why they yeah. were like such a perfect um, uh, rival of the Knicks because they played like the same yes, style of basketball. Yeah, and you were like, no, like that's our style. Like fuck you. Um, but deep down, you kind of knew like you were, you respected their their style. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, wow. All right. So Fun. that's a, that's a pretty good All one. Right, let's All Let's move right, on like
1: to it. the L. A. Clippers. Uh, give me who you have for the L. A. Clippers.
2: All right. So for the Clippers, this was a, a, an easy one. So I'm a lot so of these, enjoyed. as <laughs> as you can uh, as 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 uh, listeners by now are aware, a lot of these are are really by feel. A lot of them are very kind of like vague uh, connections. But with the Clippers, I went very literal. Uh, I went with Virgil.
1: Oh, wow. Um, Absolutely. And that is because yep.
2: um, Virgil yep. was a wrestler that uh, yes. freed himself Slapped. from yeah. being the slave to a racist millionaire yeah. owner. Yep. And uh, the Clippers. So similar. Here. <laughs> And the Clippers freed themselves uh, from being slaves to a racist millionaire or billionaire owner. Can earner, I just tell course, you who my, Sterling.
1: who my choice was? And we should have actually just a dual conversation. About this. my yeah, choice do for it. the Clippers was actually the King Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler, uh, Lawler who, wore, wow. who wore a crown. And, and, of course, like a king's cape. And uh, my thinking here was just basically the same thing. He reminded, like, the fact that he had a golden crown reminded me in a sick, perverted way
2: of Donald Sterling.
1: Of <laughs> Donald Sterling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it didn't really even have a ton. So
2: we both picked the same. We basically picked. The you same picked pre, we were pick- pre, whatever, 2015. Yes. Is that when when he uh, left, the, left the team? We were whatever, talking was, about was, like, the same version of the Clippers, which is this yeah. sort of,
1: like, before. Buffoonish racist organization.
2: Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So I was, I was, I was probably leaning more into the buffoon element with Jerry Lawler. Right. Um, so
2: you went when they were still owned by Sterling, and I went when they were yeah, freed of Sterling.
1: Yeah, I went with the kind of like clownish buffoon-owned Clippers uh, and mm. Jerry Lawler, who had like all the lottery, like the Darius Miles kind of Clippers that were like, oh, God, yeah. this is so embarrassing that they're this yeah. team. But in the same vein, I feel like they were owned by a buffoon, and they and and I feel like Virgil, who I tried so hard to get into this um, exercise, is actually the
2: perfect embodiment of the L.A. Clippers. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I when I hit on that, I was kind of like, oh yeah, there of course, it is. of course. It That's is. a pretty yeah obvious one. Um, so free, yeah, Virgil, slavery. Virgil of course was the uh, quote unquote bodyguard of of the Million Dollar Man. But let's face it, folks. Um, he was a black wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were not that many of them um, back then, um, and uh, he was uh, he was treated like a slave um, by Million Dollar Man. And uh, Million Dollar Man often uh, bragged about how, you know, he owned, he controlled Virgil, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And Virgil, um, you know, he sat there and took it for a long time uh, until one fateful night in, uh, in I want to say 1992, maybe it was, at... Um, uh, hang on. Let me see if I can. I don't know if we need to. Uh, if I need to like look this up. But anyway, at one point I'll never forget. Um, he took the million dollar belt. Uh, the massive like gold diamond encrusted uh, belt that million dollar man would would walk around wearing. Uh, slammed uh his his boss his uh his owner over the over the head with it. Um and uh, and basically claimed uh freedom um for himself <laughs> which was. Really one of the most invigorating uh, moments yeah. in, in, in my childhood. I love it, man. Moving right along All here. All right,
1: so we are moving on to now the Memphis Grizzlies. I will start us off. I will tell you here, I'll tell you that I don't have anything that I'm super passionate about. I came up with something. doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense to me, but the name I came up with was Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. Um, obviously, the British Bulldog was like one of the great... You know, like technical wrestlers of the eighties and nineties. One of my
2: absolute favorites. Yeah, one
1: of my favorites too. I mean, how would you describe him? I I just think he's like so technically sound. Um, He's like such a hard nosed guy that that is kind of what kept me coming back to the Memphis Grizzlies, which was which is this like kind of gritty, no nonsense uh, organization that's never really gotten over the hump they've never won mm. you know like uh, a, t- a title or anything like that but they're always sort of like a very tough tough hard-nosed team to play in the playoffs
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i love how you you're conceiving i i feel like i i mostly went with like the current iterations of teams yeah. and you're tying in a lot more of like the kind of history i like uh, identity you know past identity of these teams which yeah. i like um yeah i mean i would describe uh, the british bulldog davy boy smith as just like just an absolutely hulking, massive man. Right. Um, he was, uh, I mean, even more than like Hulk Hogan, he was like, he just looked so ridiculously, cartoonishly muscular. Yes. Um, which, of course, was due to anabolic steroid use, yeah. um, which he was later uh, uh, sort of suspended or, or uh, banned uh, from the uh, WWF uh, because of, um, before being reinstated later. Uh, and then dying tragically, um, as uh, many of these wrestlers did. Yeah, I mean, God. Another thing we just to say, like going through this research is yeah, just man. like story after story. Just like, boy, it, like there's very there's, it, when I look up a wrestler name and I see that he's still alive, it's like a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Um, and and in most cases, like even if they are like, there's something pretty bad in their personal history. Um, Anyway, that's a side but point. Dude, um, just the fact
1: that he walked into the ring with his pet bulldog. It, it yeah, his pet like, bulldog, like Winston. A, yeah, there is like a, a Zach Randolph quality to that to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there is this kind of like, yeah, he could play 20 minutes for the Memphis Grizzlies in a playoff game at, uh-huh. at the four position, bang, rebound. Do you know what I mean? He probably doesn't have, yeah, he's not like a stretch He's not like a stretch four or stretch five like he could never sit out on the three-point line he just have to like bang and rebound but he right. he could be like an old school you know like guy that played in the post um yeah yeah i don't know who did you have for the memphis grizzlies
2: um well so i was thinking more about the uh the current uh iteration of the grizzlies gotcha. and i went with um one of my all-time faves coco beware oh wow who was um, just a crazy, high-flying, you know, um, very athletic, flamboyant wrestler? Um, sure. Oh, this guy. Of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did the did the parrot move the the flapping of the wings? Yes. Um, yeah. I guess he was um, billed as like a like from Jamaica. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, or he was you know Caribbean of some kind of Caribbean. Man, the uh, WWF just
1: like trafficked in like the worst like stereotyping like
2: oh incredibly racist yeah, uh, yeah. I mean he wasn't even that bad like there no, there this were other not even <laughs> that bad but it's just kind of yeah. like
1: it, it, like when you see a photo of this of this wrestler
2: and then you hear
1: like yeah I think they built him as Jamaican it's
2: like yeah oh yeah huh. oh, yeah no he he's from Tennessee. Um <laughs> Uh, the name name was James Ware, which yeah. at least like they actually used his last name right. uh, in uh, in his uh, stage name, which is cool. Right. Um, but yeah, always accompanied uh, to the ring with his blue and yellow macaw, Frankie. Um, and then Coco would, uh, would flap his arms like a bird and would, and he was just always, uh, very flamboyant, always yeah. dancing and, uh, before and after his matches and stuff. And, um, I just loved him. I loved his whole like vibe and energy. And I feel like, uh, that kind of like John Morant kind of captures that, uh, for me, mm. um, <laughs> these days, uh, you know, with his, uh, Incre- incredible flair oh, okay. yeah his his um his swagger and, and all that in the you know just the uh jaron you know triple j bombing threes brandon clark you know going flying in for alley-oops all that stuff so uh and yeah kind of like uh you know uh, again coco Beware was never successful never that big a star um i mean he was successful but he was never like a champion or anything you know n- never like um when um you know heavyweight championship or anything like that but just like a, a very fun entertaining like kind of up and comer um which i feel like the grizzlies are
1: i love it um let's move on
2: now to the miami heat who you have ah for the miami heat that is who i uh, i gave ravishing rick rude to. oh yeah that makes um, total sense yeah dude just, we are thinking you know.
1: on similar lines here it's really funny
2: there's another guy that i easily could have uh picked for the heat um but I'll save that one for later. But yeah, ravishing Rick Rude. Just you know, Miami Heat. Um, there's there's a lot of options here. Yeah. But yeah, l- l- let me hear yours.
1: So for the Miami Heat, I I initially was like, oh, it's a no brainer. It's this guy. And the more research I did, the I, I I wound up going in a different direction. And the guy I chose was Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that makes sense. My my criteria here was. I said to myself this, when I'm thinking about the Miami Heat, I need to find a wrestler who is capable of deceit, like great deception. <laughs> and yeah. and that is basically like the backbone of Shawn Michaels. Um, yeah. He's the heartbreak Extreme kid. Extremely dirty. Yeah, extremely yeah. dirty. He was in the, the tag team, The Rockers. And as you mentioned, he shoved, he kicked his partner through a, like, pane of, plank, uh, of, of, of glass. Um, yeah. You know, he just, he, he, this guy was, like, all arrogance, um, was just lethal
2: in the ring. Um, you know right that's the thing it's like someone that you hate but who also you know deep down is extremely respect. effective great like respect really, great like really like yeah, yeah you just can't deny like oh, they're good they're good at what they do he's
1: a champion Um, I mean Shawn Michaels like again uh, looking for deceit I'm looking
2: for like the arrogance and he was yeah. just saying, I mean I'm 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 thinking Pat Riley is, yeah. is coming right to mind. Yeah. Right to mind. When you when you when you say the words deceit and arrogance, I think yeah, that's Pat Riley you're describing.
1: Yeah, man. And just when you look at these photos of him posing with the title belt, just kind of mugging oh, towards yeah. the camera like pouting Mm, his sunglasses, pouting his lips, like almost like kissing at the camera. It's just, it's just really detestable. And that is Mm. who, you know, the, the Miami heat really truly are at their core. So, um, Sean Michaels is my choice here. The heartbreak kid for the Miami heat, uh, moving us along. Let's go now to the Milwaukee bucks. I'll give you my choice for the Milwaukee bucks. And then, uh, and then, and then I'm curious to hear who you got. So for the Milwaukee bucks, I have this is sort of a dark horse, but um, I have the six foot four, three hundred and ninety pound Bam Bam Bigelow. Ooh, bam, um, bam. yeah, Bam Bam. Remember Bam mm. Bam? So, sure, sure. So super heavyweight Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, he was just a bowling ball of a man. Um, he, his his trademark move was his dri- his diving headbutts, and mm-hmm. I would just describe him as like almost like a kamikaze um he was like a Tasmanian devil in the ring and he had these really insane tattoos all over his body and I believe yeah. on his skull as well Fl- I think
2: flames on the side of his skull yes. is that right?
1: yes he had no yes he had flames on his skull yeah and um, it was just he he wore a flame like you know unitar unitard that was his, his costume in the ring just a massing massive bowling ball of a guy and this to me sort of feels like the ethos the spirit of Milwaukee you know the Harley Davidson thing Um, -hmm. I know, you know, I'm, I'm still like trying to piece it together with the Milwaukee Bucks, but like, I, I, I just think Milwaukee Bucks are a team kind of removing Giannis, the recent iteration of the Giannis Bucks. They were a team that was always like good, but never great. And they were always Mm -hmm. kind of like always in the mix, but never kind of got over the hump. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I remember about Bam Bam Bigelow was, like, he was a real contender, was always, like, in these very important matches against Hulk Hogan and, and, and other guys, but never kind of, like, won the big one. Um, right, right. Never quite got over yeah, it. Yeah. So that's that's who I chose for the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm curious who you got.
2: Well, as usual, you and I are, uh, are, are just side by side on this one. I went with Big John Studd. Oh, wow. Who was uh a little bit before my time like I I remember like the kind of tail end of his WWF career. I think he left the federation in like 89 or 90 um but in like the mid and late 80s um he was like a a, a pretty, you know, a pretty big player. Um and you know pr- like o- almost like the same um c- you know that you just described um, bam bam bigelow uh it could be said a big john stud like i think he could have been a uh, a harley davidson riding oh, yeah. like biker um this guy was six foot ten 364 pounds wow. um just a mountain of a man and uh yeah just like one of those guys who you're just like uh just kind of terrified of um but again never quite like uh, a real successful like champion was always kind of the guy that got beat by the by the uh by the by the face yeah. um but uh but love big john stud loved his whole kind of just like big burly like you know he looked like he could have been i think he was um let's see it says he was born in pennsylvania which kind of makes sense um uh <coughs> excuse me um but he had that kind of like Midwestern vibe to him, just like kind of like scraggly, like long, scraggly hair, just big, burly, like hairy chest. Um, yeah, just kind of kind of makes sense. He was a he was a buck of a man, um, <laughs> if I if I can say that. <laughs> so, that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about uh, like Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez and um yeah and also kind of like the bucks history of in like the 80s just being like big dog uh,
1: big dog robinson
2: yeah oh big dog robinson but even like back in the 80s when they were like always that like awesome defensive juggernaut that always came up a little bit short to like the celtics and the sixers right um so um yeah big john stud is my is my pick all right let's move us along to the minnesota timberwolves who you got uh, this was a really tough one. I didn't. I just. I didn't feel really drawn in any direction um, by the Timberwolves. So I went. I went with Tatanka, who was. Um, I don't know if you remember him, the Native American wrestler. Um, was kind of a new guy on the scene. Right as I was trailing off, uh, I think he came in in like '92. Around then, um, and uh, but he was like, you know, he was pretty good. He was fine. Uh, I don't exactly know why. Um, why the timber wolf was making me think of him? I guess he kind of like as a as a Native American. I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, like uh, just <laughs> kind of like lives in the woods, maybe yeah. like a <laughs> like a timber wolf. Yeah, um, which I don't think he actually did. He was from North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, he is actually a, a real um, American Indian, though, which I oh. uh, did not realize um, until researching. Came from uh, the uh, uh, the Lumbee tribe from North Carolina. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel that strongly Dude, about. I it.
1: don't know how to explain this one, and this is I. It's it's just one of these bizarre things where one of my <laughs> immediate immediate thoughts was, oh, Ooh. you know who absolutely goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves? Like, literally, was one of the first wrestlers I thought of, and he's like, I wow. can't explain why. Can't explain why. I'm hoping you can help me, but he's a okay. Minnesota Timberwolf. Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, so sure. here's where I'm at with that Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake, um, you know, he was like, how do we talk about Jake the Snake? He 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 had this sort of like cerebral conniving uh approach about him, where he would play mind games with his opponents, right? He was mm-hmm. always trying to like. Get in the head of his opponents, lure them into the mm-hmm, ring. Mm-hmm. I think specifically about this one instance where he was in in, in the ring, and Randy Savage had been—I uh, don't know if he was banned or suspended for a period of time—and he was like, "Yeah,
2: well, he had to retire. He had—he re, was forced into retirement from a retirement match uh, that he right. that he uh, lost right. to Ultimate Warrior." And there was I this
1: campaign to reinstate him, and anyway, yes, Jake the Snake like lured him back into the ring by like but by like making fun of him when Randy Savage was in the announcer's booth, Um, Mm. he had these incredible mic skills and you know, he, he was this guy that was like um, he was never considered like main event talent. Right. Like he was never considered like a great wrestler and he always, but he always sort of like weaseled his way into matches, whether it was with like, you know, Rick Rude or Andre the Giant or Hulk Hogan, whatever it was, yeah. he always sort of like like weaselled his way in. And the fact that he, <laughs> the fact that he would come to to every match with his, uh, with his with his snake, his King Cobra,
2: it yeah. it just added. It was, a, it was a boa constrictor, I believe. A, right? a boa constrictor. It
1: just like added yeah. to his like weirdo sort of mystique. Um, and there was a there there were there was just this kind of like slippery element to jake the
2: snake that kind of makes me i mean he 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 wrestled like a snake yes which is weird to say but he totally he fucking did yes he was so snake like his body his moves his like whole like his, his his athleticism like everything was extremely like slippery and snake like yes um The dude had, like, some of the weirdest, like, legs and ankles Mm -hmm. I've, like, ever seen. They were, like... He had, like, a pretty big torso. And then these, like, extremely, Extremely like, skinny, skinny, long... Like, he had two snakes
1: for legs. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, for some reason, man, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the long legs, the, the, like, the lean physique. He conjures up like those mid-90s Kevin Garnett Minnesota Timberwolf teams and Mm. um, something about those teams where they're always kind of like a fifth seed or a sixth seed in the playoff like it was always clear that they were never gonna like win they would never like be vying for a championship but they were always kind of like annoying and like they kind of did i always felt like are they dirty are they are they a dirty team i can't really put my finger on like how they're here but they are here and they're like you know they were always like playing the lakers for uh, in, in these like big important matches
2: well, they were dirty in the sense of what was the story where they like got caught f- doing some sort of like was it like a contract shenanigans oh, or something Smith like that? Where they that's yeah right. the Joe Smith thing where they lost like several draft, draft picks. picks, which is crazy. Right.
1: Like they negotiated a contract with him before he was a free agent. I would say that's fairly snake-like. Yeah, behavior, fairly, yeah. fairly snake-like. Yeah. So Jake the Snake was my choice for the Minnesota Timberwolves um always just kind of doing things a little different a little slippery a little below the radar (laughs) we're not really sure what they're up to um and maybe yeah like maybe i'm maybe maybe that still makes sense with this later this this latest iteration of the timberwolves uh with carl anthony towns right with Russell and d'angelo we're supposed to believe that they're gonna be good but they've never really shown that they are good and they keep telling us that they're good and there's just something not right. There's something not right, right
2: about it. There's a lot of talent, but you just know like they're never going to go all the way to the top. But they're always going to like be around. They're always going to like kind of like be in the mix. Um, yeah, I think
1: specifically yeah. about that Joel Embiid Carl Anthony Towns, you know, quote unquote fight that happened earlier this year. It's like that's kind of who Jake the Snake would be in a wrestling match, which is like hmm. the guy like thumbing his you know finger in your face. And then all of a sudden you have him in like a, a chokehold and he's crying and slapping the floor, you know, like, <laughs> su- for, for a submission. So I don't know. That's that's who I have for the two wolves
2: okay yeah that makes a lot of sense i like it i like it i like that more than mine yeah i had jake the snake for another team okay. but i didn't feel i also didn't feel that strongly about it i think that makes sense for the timberwolves let's move and, on
1: to uh the new orleans hornets uh i will tell you full disclosure this is one of the teams i couldn't come up with anybody for
2: yeah so you mean the the pelicans
1: oh what am i saying the new orleans Hornets. The, yeah the new orleans yeah. pelicans yes
2: right so this one i i went with uh with superfly for them love it. um that makes sense Kinda of similar to I had I had a uh, Superfly and Coco Beware like right next to each other and I literally like changed like five different times between the Grizzlies and the Pelicans because yeah. um, they are sort of the same they're like two versions of the same team to me at this point. Um, <clears> and <throat> so I went with uh, with Superfly for the Pelicans. Um, but remind me, you had Superfly for someone else, right? I had you had, had for the for the Hornets. Hornets. Yeah. Yeah, which I think I like I like better. So Ironically
1: enough I just gosh. said the New Orleans Hornets, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, there, there you go. go. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure the Pelicans. I mean, to me, yeah, they're you know with Zion, like they have, to, they just have to be someone. I think they're
1: going to be a who's new, a
2: high flyer. I think
1: they're still kind of an expansion franchise to me. Like we're still kind of learning who the Pelicans are because like they're very much mm-hmm. writing their history. I, I feel like right mm-hmm. now, like I think we are going to have a different opinion of what the Pelicans are. Honestly, like even in six months after the season ends. Um, than based on
2: like who they've been for the last 10 years Hmm. Hmm. Um, I mean I would throw out the one guy that if Superfly is taken uh, the kind of alternative to him would be Ricky the Dragon Steamboat yeah, that um, makes sense. I don't know if you remember yeah. him uh, he was uh, again more of like an 80s wrestler than like a 90s wrestler but um, but he had that same kind of similar style um, you know real athletic uh, high flyer so maybe I'll go with the with the dragon okay um, uh, for the for the Pelicans, let's, but let's
1: move on now yeah. to the New York Knicks, Ben.
2: Well, Chris, I uh, I had to pick Hulk Hogan for the Knicks yeah. um, because they were my childhood love, yeah, and like I was to before, be completely
1: protagonist.
2: Yeah, to be candid with you, when I got into wrestling, uh, I was extremely susceptible. I was impressionable. Okay. I allowed every single gimmick and yeah. trick um, to just completely work on me, uh-huh. and so when I started watching wrestling, I was like, "Hulk Hogan is is the is the best. America. He's my favorite," yeah. and I can say that I like genuinely, sincerely, like deeply felt that. Like I rooted for Hulk Hogan the way I later rooted for the New York Knicks, the New York Giants. Yeah. Um, like I loved him. Yeah uh one of the one of the most uh unforgettable sporting event uh experiences of my in life the American flag yeah yeah and like at that time as a kid um you know before you're aware of any sort of like you know political realities yeah. or like you're just like especially in you're the just 80s like a when like kid, yeah totally um it was just like yeah our, like the army is cool yeah. um guns are cool like guns, are, guns are cool America's awesome shows yeah, are awesome we never yep. we never lose any wars yep. we're number one yes. we're the best um there is no kill the bad guys. nuance yeah kill the bad guys it is completely yeah. completely black and white um yeah Chuck Norris and <laughs> Clint Eastwood and Hulk Hogan yeah, um watch these are my heroes
1: the movies. yeah totally
2: yeah yeah um so uh yeah Hulk Hulk is the next um I will say that much like the Knicks, uh, as time went on and I grew into adulthood, um, things took a turn, uh, things, um, yeah. you know, the, the sort of childhood, uh, uh, love and, and, and just, uh, kind of, um, un, um unambiguous, uh, positivity that I felt, uh, towards, uh, this, this thing, uh, it changed. It, yeah. it, 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 tra- it transformed gradually. Um, uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, basically his departure from the WWF is why I, I stopped watching it in, uh, in 1993, uh, much like, uh, the Knicks, um, departure from the NBA, uh, mm-hmm. around 2000, 2001, right. um, is why I stopped watching basketball for about 15 years there. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I, I, I obviously then Hulk Hogan had, um, had some chapters later in his life, um, that were, uh. Not so great, um, yeah. specifically uh, being a uh, racist and uh, suing uh, the website Gawker uh, out of existence, yeah. uh, thanks to the help of Peter Thiel. Um, and that really parallels closely, uh, in my mind, uh, to the James Dolan uh, ownership era and um, really the Isaiah Thomas coaching tenure. and. Basically, all, every single move that, uh, that that both of these uh, individual entities have have kind of made uh, since their their glory days of, of the early '90s um, has been bad and made me feel sad. It's incredible uh, so parallel, that's why
1: the parallel tracks that the Knicks and Hulk Hogan have run on is sort of stark.
2: Wow. Yeah, yeah. So to me, there's no question uh, Hulk Hogan is the Knicks and the Knicks are Hulk Hogan. I love it.
1: I mean, I will tell you, I I had a different choice and I'll talk mine out with you, but I think Hogan makes total sense. Um, It's also interesting, like, so I was, believe it or not, I was never a Hogan guy, Yeah, that makes sense. I was never never like a Hulk Hogan kid, so because to be honest with you, my brother was. So the Mm -hmm. way you know kids are, siblings are like you always want to be different than your sibling. Like if they're this one, Mm -hmm. you want to be the other one. And like we would play wrestling in our in our childhood basement. So if my brother was Hogan, then I had to be the Ultimate Warrior. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I was more of an Ultimate Warrior guy. But so so I I didn't quite think of the Knicks. Um, and, and Hogan in that uh, sort of same uh, in that same way but I totally understand that's why it's your choice and it makes a lot of sense to me yeah this is a very, this is a very subjective exercise so I, I, <laughs> had, I had a lot of trouble with the Knicks and I ultimately landed on someone that I feel really good about and I think, think makes a lot of sense given where the team is right now and that's hmm. Ted DiBiase the Million Dollar Man Wow! And so oh, wow! Basically, Bombshell. So basically, Ted DiBiase, <laughs> as you know, was like a rich, conceited
2: coward. Like that was like who yeah. his. That, <laughs> such a coward. That was like his whole <laughs> mo. And he, when I think of him, I think of him just begging, begging for mercy in the ring, so, just putting his hands up and just shaking his head back and forth vigorously. His
1: whole thing was like he, if he would beat you in a match, he would shove dollar, dollar bills down your mouth, and basically yep. that's what James Dolan's been doing with free agents like the last <laughs> like 15, 20 years. Is oh like only God. cowards come to play for the Knicks. Like you basically yep. come to the Knicks if you want a paycheck, and like I, don't get me wrong, we all need to make money and we all need to make a living but like it's a very shameful thing to, in free agency to sign with the Knicks and I oh, always yeah. felt like that it always felt like that's what happened if you aligned forces
2: with the million dollar man Ted DiBiozzi. Oh a million dollar man he was constantly buying people yes. he was literally. And that is like um, what
1: James Dolan and the Knicks basically are at this point like it's, it's obviously been a very long time since it was 1994 and like you know, Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley rule the day. Um mm-hmm. so my current iteration with the Knicks, like where I'm currently at with the Knicks, is like we are basically Trumps, Donald Trump's New York Knicks. Like we buy people, yeah. we just like buy people off. We shove dollar bills down their mouth. Um, we're like we're cowards, we're rich, we love being rich um mm. it's you know we, we are
2: yeah we talk we talk a very big game we like humiliate
1: 10 year old fans you know like we'll have fans yeah. thrown out of the arena if they boo us um you know we the new york knicks currently are ted dibiase um yeah so um but i i think both of these make sense uh you know, Ho- Hogan's <laughs> knicks, Ted DiBiase's Knicks. Um, I think. Kind of yeah, they're really two
2: sides of the same. Coin. Yeah, we're, it we're, makes,
1: we're kind of itching the same. We're, we're scratching the same itch. I think. Yeah, um, I think so. I think so. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah, Love that's. Um, boy, that's that was a, that was a good little therapy session yeah. there, Chris. I think I think we worked some things out there. That that was really cathartic yes. and and um, and healthy. I think.
1: Let's move on now to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I will tell you, I, had, I struggled with this one. Until, yeah, this was a tough one for me. Until at the very last minute, something kind of dawned on me. Um, it doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm really still working on this one, but the person that I came up for the Oklahoma City Thunder was uh, Paul Bearer. Um, the, the manager <laughs> wow. for The Undertaker. <laughs> the manager of The Undertaker, He's basically yeah. just incredibly spooky. Um, he, he is a spooky he guy. He basically wears like a white powder on his face. And very pale. Very pale has like a has has a thin mustache, and he always mm-hmm. sort of
2: juts up one of his lips. And um, he, he, oh, he when he speaks, he has the voice of a ghost yes, of an actual ghost. That's correct. Yeah.
1: And he uh, he oh, he holds an urn of ashes. Um, you know, if, I, I I can't really put my finger on why he makes sense for the Oklahoma City Fender <laughs> other than like it just feels like a very Oklahoma City thing to be like a pallbearer to be to be spooky to to be obsessive about ashes and death so like i said i'm, I'm really still working this one out
2: uh, well no i mean chris it makes perfect sense when you consider what are the oklahoma city thunder other than the corpse of the seattle supersonics oh, wow. that is Boom. very appropriate yeah there we I, I go love that
1: i think with that I think one we, we should it. just move on
2: yeah i'm good i'm so, i'm done with that let's one.
1: move on to the orlando magic who,
2: who, who'd you come up with for the orlando magic uh this one let's see um i picked i picked lex luger dude for the magic. so did i <laughs> Really <That's> incredible I, <laughs> wow I, that is so random I
1: struggled with this one but i came to sell on lex luger that's amazing
2: wow, wow. yeah this is one of my last ones that i had a lot of trouble Me with too. but i was just like you know what lex luger yeah yeah it's something He's about this very like, magicy. It's like Disney.
1: Uh, I think of when I think of Orlando, I think <laughs> yeah. of Dwight Howard and like Disney Superman, and that's kind of who yeah.
2: Luger was. He he. Oh, he was so corny he had the and like of the narcissist or the, the narcissist the, the total
1: package. And that's kind of who those Dwight Howard Orlando Magic Shaq, you know, Orlando Magic players were. You know, with these like, yeah. hulking physique of men.
2: Um, yeah never really they were like a they were a spectacle but they were incredibly like shallow yes. kind of like skin deep yes. like they weren't um like they were just kind of like chintzy yes. and cheap um even though they like looked kind of cool on the outside yeah. um Love it, man. and they're also just very like Lex Luger I feel like is like the most like, a lot of these wrestlers come from Florida Yes, but like Lex Luger is like the most Florida y person he also had like a very kind of tragic post uh wrestling history that we don't need to get into um it involved uh like do you know like the whole story like miss elizabeth like basically dying in his house That's right Um, that's right yeah yeah extremely dark and sad um (laughs) which really i don't know like we don't that doesn't necessarily but like it's just kind of like when you think of like the kind of darkness and and like just awfulness of of the state of florida um uh, he kind of embodies that. So I'm not saying that the Orlando Magic necessarily share that, but they are from Florida, yes. so I don't know. I just kind of tie I that totally together tie in, in my head. I totally tie Luger with Orlando, Florida. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, but all let's right. Let's move on
1: to the Philadelphia
2: <laughs> 76ers. Who you got? Uh, Chris, for this one, the Philadelphia 76ers, I have the one and only Macho Man Randy wow. Savage. Oh,
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, talk me through that.
2: This was a big. This is a very, very big, uh, important choice for me. Uh, One of the most important wrestlers. Is it fair to say that Randy Savage is your favorite wrestler of all time? Yes. Now he is. As a child, I didn't recognize it because I was young and ignorant. But I feel like you. But as an
1: adult, spirit animal in terms of wrestlers is Randy Savage.
2: Yes, that's true. In the year 20, uh, I want to say 11, maybe 2010, I dressed up. With That's a bunch right. of friends, um, as wrestlers, uh, professional wrestlers from the early '90s, and I went as Macho Man Randy That's Savage, right. um, because he is, um, yeah, he, he is who I who I identify most closely with. Yep. He was just the best. He was so, like, just fucking hilarious. Uh, his promo videos, uh, I could get drunk and stoned and just watch yep. um, for hours and hours at a time. The man was an absolute genius. He was a genius wrestler. He was a genius on the microphone, um, and um, he was just a a force of nature, and he was a complete mess. His life was a complete fucking train wreck, pretty much, Um, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers. They're the most interesting, the most entertaining, the most maddening. Mm. They're very good, or they're very bad, um, and they're just fucking messy. Um, And that's kind of why... Got it. I, I I associated them. I tied them to to Macho Man. Like they they had like they have greatness in them, um, and they're and they're kind of like captivating in that way where they where they capture your attention, um, but they'll probably break your heart in the end, which is what Macho Man did, of course. Yeah.
1: Um, I love that. Uh, for the Sixers, I came up with um, Andre the Giant. Uh, Andre mm. the Giant, of course, the eighth wonder of the world. Uh, yeah. Andre the Giant stood, uh, you know, a, an awe-inspiring seven foot four, weighed five hundred and forty pounds. Um, this is this one's pretty simple for me. You know, we talk about the, the Sixers just being this mass, massive, Herculean, uh, you know, front line. And that, to me, Andre, you know, sort of epitomizes. He was the sort of guy that was just this megastar in the WWF, but also always kind of played second fiddle a little bit to other guys, particularly Hulk Hogan. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, to me, feels like a little bit the story with the Sixers, that, like, we know they're, they're this big, great team, but we're always sort of wondering if they can ever put it together on the big stage against... You know the Raptors, the Celtics, whoever it is. So, um, mm. yeah, interesting, interesting choices here. We are.
2: T- I like that a lot. I like that a lot for for the. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Sixers like their big boys, sure. and you're not going to find a bigger boy than than Andre. Um, and all, he was actually one of the wrestlers that I couldn't find a team for. Yeah, but I will say I'm really happy. Like if I if I had to yeah. to slot him in, like the Sixers are, are probably the perfect yeah. one. Like in terms of just being like a a kind of like um just like a, a, a massive uh you know figuratively a massive organization just like historic and yes. and you know kind of like storied i wanted and, to send um,
1: him to uh an organization with a ton of history too that was important
2: right me, right yeah. it had to be someone that's like i literally like couldn't I know, find man. someone like kind of big and like historical enough um that's why initially i was like maybe the celtics but i they I know. you know the celtics don't deserve him yeah. But I think the Sixers do. I think that's a great choice. I like that okay. a lot.
1: All right, let's move on to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I'll I'll cue us up with the Phoenix Suns. So this one is going to be a this one's going to be tough for you. But my choice for the Phoenix Suns is Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay, all right. So Macho Man Randy Savage, um, as you talked about, is I mean one of the most colorful eccentric characters that wrestling has ever had. He's probably, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the most colorful character that's ever stepped in the wrestling ring um yeah i would i would agree and with that. he just i mean he was a legend whether he was fighting guys like hulk hulkster whether it was rick flair jake the snake uh he always mm. put on an incredible match and the thing that drew me to the phoenix suns as lame as this might sound just the the thing that initially drew me to the to, to, to the suns was like the color like he always Mm. had this like neon color scheme and it always made me sort of think of the, those like bright orange Phoenix suns jerseys. Yeah.
2: The bright orange and purple. And also part
1: of this is that like macho man had this, like he had the most sick, deep tan of like probably anyone in the WWF. And he looks bright red. He looks like a man that would just like live in the desert. Um, Yeah, and like live among. He was
2: literally like peeled off the pavement of a highway in in Phoenix. Like if he
1: just like strolled out of like you know the desert landscape among the cactuses, uh, that would make total sense to me. He just looks like a desert man. um, Yeah, and was just this really eccentric, colorful guy. Also, I think about. The Phoenix Suns and their history and, you know, whether it was like the Mike D'Antoni teams, they were always like innovative, innovative, doing different things. They were always like on the cusp of greatness. And I always Mm -hmm. felt like that is kind of where the macho man lived, um, was like Mm -hmm. always on Mm -hmm. the cusp
2: of greatness and always kind
1: of falling to it always seemed like he was falling to Hogan. Um, yeah
2: he was never quite number one i mean he did win the win the belt was, uh once or twice like, but he was always kind of like set up as the as the conflict for hogan to overcome you know what it is man or for ultimate warrior to overcome he
1: felt like the people's champion and i think yep. that in the same way that he was the people's champion the steve nash phoenix suns were the people's champion when mm. they lost to the spurs like when when mm-hmm. the spurs defeated them because all those players got suspended i think we all mm-hmm. deep down inside knew that the suns were better and we were rooting for the suns and we wanted those yeah
2: they were way more fun they were fun yeah, they had those weird
1: uh those fun like uh, the neon jerseys and uh mm-hmm. so that's where i came to with macho man randy savage and the phoenix suns i'm curious who you had for the suns
2: um, well, I had a I, I kind of struggled with them, so I went with I kind of just went with the your uh, your tan um, yep. <laughs> element, yep. and I went with Rick Rick the Model Martel. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So this guy was he was basically a ravishing oh, Rick Rude knockoff. Um, mm-hmm. He was a model. Uh, he was probably the greasiest uh, wrestler in history. If you Google uh, images of his face. Um, he just looks like he's covered in like pe- pepperoni pizza grease at all times, um, and yeah, he was just the, the classic like vein yeah. heel. Um, he strutted around in like purple tights and like a little uh, like a little like short jacket um, and like slick back hair, and uh, he like carried around like a little like spray can of like cologne That's right. um, oh that he would often spray oh in his opponent's God. eyes because yes. he was a real real dirty wrestler. Um, it doesn't really fit the Suns, but I was more just thinking like, you know, he just looks like he's been sitting in literally under a sun for about um, 40 straight hours. So um, yeah, that's who I went with. I, I think I like, uh, I like Macho Man more than, uh, than Rick Martel for the Suns, but I still think, think I like Macho Man li- more for the Sixers for I, me. I like so Macho Man not- for the Sixers
1: too. Yeah. I'm I'm not mad at that at all. You know, yeah, to- yeah. Macho Man feels like, Again, I was saying like it, it's it's hard sometimes speaking to an organization and a team's success on the court and a wrestler's you know it, it, it's it's a hard thing to marry because sometimes yeah. it makes sense in one aspect but not sense in another aspect so it's it's an imperfect right.
2: exercise for sure. Um, <clears throat> I guess I kind of tied also a little bit of uh, the current sons uh, sure. led by Ricky Rubio who I kind of. Uh, you know Rick the model. You know yes. Rubio's kind of a yes. you know a, a pretty boy. So yes. I don't know. It's it's kind of a loose like connection, it. but that's all I like I, it. All I had.
1: Um, let's let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers. you have Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. so for
2: Portland, I went with Jake the Snake. Wow. Um, okay. That I like that. I like that a lot. And that's because it was just a team again, kind of a a, a storied um, team that is like kind of always always there, like on the cusp of like uh, being being great. But like never quite there, but like very established. I guess just like established yep. is the word. Um, where Jake the Snake was just like one of these guys who was always part of of like the of like the main event. Like he was always like in the mix. He was just like a one of those like perfect like kind of character actor type guys yep. um, who was uh, always like very reliable, very consistent, um, very like just kind of always delivered yep. exactly what you what you expected out of him. Um, and, and that's kind of how the trailblazers are where they're just like, they're always a pretty solid team. Um, uh, like they're never quite like the best, um, um, you know, except, right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. And something about like their, their color scheme kind of like, um, I don't know, like, like, uh, yeah, it's kind of, now that now it's getting a little harder to, to kind of articulate, but like something. Something's a little snaky mm-hmm. <laughs> about like their their logo, the logo their sure. color scheme, yeah. a little bit. I like, it, um, I like it a lot. The kind of like Pacific Northwest. I think Pacific um, Northwest
1: makes sense for Jake the Snake as well. Yeah, there is something sort yeah. of like. I don't know what's happening over there. That's that. There's this right. like, weird pocket of energy.
2: You kind of for, you kind of forget about him, right. and then you're
1: like, "Oh right, like, the Blazers." Does yeah.
2: Does he have a snake though?
1: Yeah. For right. The Portland Trailblazers. I sort of. Um, this is to me feels like an overcorrection, or not an overcorrection, but I'm not sure that the success of the wrestler and the success of the team match up but the mm. person, the wrestler that I settled on for the Portland Trailblazers was Brett the Hitman Hart. And oh, wow. so, I mean, the Hitman was a highly successful five-time WWF champ. I mean, he was one of the biggest stars. A legend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, an absolute uh, an absolute legend. Um, one of the biggest stars in the WWF throughout the 90s. And I'm not really sure at the bats who the spirit of the Portland Trailblazers are, but the thing about Brett the Hitman part that I want to kind of zero in on as it relates to the Portland Trailblazers is, like, there's something about... There is, like, kind of like a Lillard, like a Damien Lillard sort of uh, energy about Hitman heart that that reminds me of of, of Damien Lillard and, and the Trailblazers where
2: it's kind of like... Yeah, just fucking cool. This coolness. guy is kind of, like,
1: consistently very cool. He's understated. He actually is not like was not very good on the microphone
2: like he wasn't much of a hype man actually and he kinda, yeah yeah he, yeah he was definitely more of a, a, did, a technician yeah
1: dude he did all of his talking in the ring um mm-hmm. he unlike guys like macho man or even hulk like who were great showmen um yeah. Bret the hitman hart was really just a fucking technical savant
2: he was a wrestler's wrestler, the excellence of execution. Yeah, yeah. and
1: I kind of think of Damian Lillard in that regard, where it's like,
2: mm. uh,
1: you know, he's just every all of his peers respect the hell out of him. Everyone, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I how I came to Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, again, I think the success of of the Hitman doesn't really make sense with the Portland Trailblazers. Um, who for most right. of our I lives like you know they were always a playoff team but never like kind of winning championships
2: but right right um i like that a lot though i like the the lillard association makes a lot more sense than the yeah. the team association yeah, yeah. but that's very like i can see like lillard being the hitman to like Russell Westbrook's ultimate warrior, exactly. you know? Yes, exactly. Um, that's like kind of, kind of, kind of perfect. Yeah.
1: All right, let's move on to the Sacramento Kings. Um, I will cue us up here. So for the Sacramento Kings, I chose Mr. Perfect. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, which is an interesting one, but Mr. Perfect, you know, like you talked about him before he had this like chiseled physique. He was this like extreme <laughs> That was his whole gimmick. Just this like beautiful body being this very cocky, Smiley guy—that uh, was the character that he portrayed—and he was so was sort of always like uh, falling, you know, in like some, you know, in one way or, or another, whether it was to Bret Hart or to uh, to Hulk Hogan, and he was he was injured a lot. And um, I found that like the Kings were like sort of like the perfect like foil to, in in the same way that like Chris Weber's Kings were always sort of like. They are supposed to be really good, and then they always kind of like choked in the in in the on the big stage. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. So that's yeah. how I came up with Mister Perfect. It's not it's mm. it, it's not the best. Uh, it's an imperfect yeah. analogy, yeah. but
0: I, it, I'm curious. <laughs>
1: I like it. I'm though. curious who you came up with.
2: Well, I was kind of at a loss for the kings yeah. until until I settled on this one guy, and this is probably the hardest one for me to explain. But I went with Akeem the African Dream. Oh <laughs> Okay. Now I don't know if you remember this guy. Um, he was definitely among the most uh, shockingly racist characters oh that the WWF came up with, which is a very high I bar. Uh, this, this is insane because we're yeah. So he was um, he was a white guy uh, who was uh, originally billed as uh, one man gang, uh, just this like fucking massive like mountain of a man. Uh, and then in 1990 90 or 91... or wait, maybe it was earlier. Hang on, let me just uh, see here. Um, wait. Oh, shit, sorry. Um,
0: yeah, oh, it was
2: in 88. Uh, um, uh, his his manager, Slick, I don't know if you remember Slick, uh, who was one of the great... Um, he was... Kind of a kind of a black Jimmy Hart uh-huh. uh, type character, um, but he was a one-man gang's manager. And for some fucking reason, uh, in September of nineteen eighty-eight, they decided that he would be kind of rebranded and reborn as uh, uh, this African like 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 I don't know like royalty type guy um, who decided that he was African, uh-huh. and they had this like incredible uh and again shockingly racist vignette where he went into he went on this like um this like promo like this like uh vignette uh with uh mean gene okerlund on location in an american ghetto that was dubbed the deepest darkest parts of africa and it was literally just like a back alley with like a big trash can fire and there were, like, tribal African dancers, like, dancing around and chanting around the um, oh the God. garbage can fire. Oh and and Akeem came out and, like, announced that he was now Akeem um, and uh, that he was reborn as an African. And he was, like, speaking in, like, a uh, very, like, stereotypical, like, jive accent and stuff. And, like, it was just really, really alarming and... Um, but like, I mean, you know, hilarious, uh, if you can kind of set aside the racism sure. of it. Um, and he went on to fight, uh, as this character for like several years and would like come to the ring doing these like ridiculous little like dances and stuff. Um, and again, he, uh, he was played by a guy named George gray. Um, who was a white guy from Spartanburg, South Carolina. And he was just like acting black for like five years. <laughs> um, and uh, wow. yeah, he had this like ridiculous, like out, like this, like tribal African, like blue and yellow outfit with this like yeah. uh, hat that he wore. And um, why are they the Sacramento Kings? I don't, I don't know. Other than they just seem like a mistake, a mistake. Of, a, of a franchise. Oh, um, I guess that's the closest thing I can, <laughs> okay. I can uh, say to, to explain it. Um, they just kind of seem, yeah, like ca- kind of backwards and, and wrong. Um and, um, but also kind of entertaining in a way that you don't totally wanna to fully admit, maybe I don't know, <laughs> I don't know it's, yeah it's hard hard for me wow. to articulate, okay. but um, yeah, okay, and also maybe uh, yeah, maybe something about how like akeem. I think he presented. I'm not sure if this was like just in my head, but he presented himself as like maybe like a prince or a king in some way, or like some sort of appears royalty. Appears to be some sort of like prophet or royalty. Yeah, like an important figure. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And like the same way the kings, like 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 king, a king is a very like you know he a high ranking like a
1: pharaoh or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. But which is like ridiculous. Obviously, it's all like kind of fake. Yeah. The same way like the kings are not the kings of anything. Like they are. Yeah. They've never been the king. They've never won uh, a championship. Like so, the it's a name that doesn't really fit the character. Wow. So I guess that also. This yeah. is insane. I don't know.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on now to the San Antonio Spurs, and we should we should really uh, hustle through these. So okay, okay. Uh, give me who you got, for the, or I'll, I'll give you who I have for the San Antonio Spurs, really quickly. I think it speaks for itself. The San Antonio Spurs. I have the Undertaker. Uh, the Undertaker, same. Drab, dreary, gloomy, boring, and yet it wins every time. Never dying, yeah. always winning. Undertaker yep. to me feels like the Tim Duncan of professional wrestling. Like he yep. is just <laughs> an institution. He's a first yep. ballot Hall of Famer. He's boring as hell, and he's one yep. of the all time greats. And there's like, and he will never he will go never away. go away. Um, yeah,
2: that was one of my like first earliest like, oh, the yeah. Spurs with the Undertaker. Uh, yeah,
1: the Toronto Raptors. Who you have? <laughs>
2: Uh, so for them I went with Brett the Hitman Hart oh, nice. um, not only because uh, Brett Hart is actually Canadian yeah. um, but I just feel like their sort of styles match up they're just extremely extremely yeah. um, like hi- like highly technically skilled sort um, of you under- know not
1: stated,
2: like not flashy, flashy kind of forgotten about yeah. but just the excellence of execution yes. that is that is nick nurse yes. to a t 1, um, that. yeah
1: i had the mountie but i, I really like um,
2: the mountie i was yeah of course he's the other canadian character yeah. but the mountie the mountie sucked yeah. though he wasn't good and he sucked as a character All right, so. the
1: utah jazz uh, for the utah jazz i had yokozuna ma- uh, yokozuna managed by mr <laughs> wow Fuji. Um, yeah and simply put yokozuna was an immovable force he was a staple mm-hmm. in the WWF. He never transcended into superstardom. He was the kind of guy that was always in the playoffs, you know, he was always like he he'd be the guy that would be making the Western Conference Finals and was always winding up as like the number two or three seed and make it to the second round of the playoffs and would always lose to mm-hmm. like Kemp Sonic's or Drexler's Blazers. Um. uh, So uh, yeah, and just I I, again, I think of the mountains, the mountains on the Jersey. I think of Yokozuna, just this massive, massing hulk of a man, six foot four, weighed nearly six hundred pounds, Japanese Mm -hmm, sumo mm -hmm. wrestler. Um. Yeah, I I had Yokozuna. Who'd you have? Uh,
2: I had the Big Boss Man Mm. because, uh, as we all know, the Utah Jazz are a team of cops. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I like, I like Yokozuna too as a pick do you remember real quick do you remember when uh, the event where Yokozuna was on the um, the deck of a of like an aircraft carrier and all the wrestlers like flew in to try to like see who could like pick him up and body slam him
0: and then from there it happened the 550 pounder charge Luger ducking out of the way nailing Yokozuna with a six inch steel plate in the forearm and from there yes yes it was unbelievable pound champion down to the map, yeah, yeah. down to the deck of the USS Intrepid, and yes, this was what it's all about. America and Lex Luger would not be denied the celebration of her birthday. Thousands of fans on board for USS Intrepid saluting the great country we live in, and saluting one of the great competitors who stepped forward to be counted on July 4th, Sunday, America's birthday.
2: (laughs) It was like one of the last events that I remember watching before I like fully tuned out. It was in like late 93 or maybe mid 93. um, And literally it was like on the deck of like the USS, like whatever, Missouri or something. And it was just like, all right, let's all get the wrestlers to like line up and try to like lift this massive Jesus. fat man, yeah. and um, and they all failed except the guy who finally did it was uh, Lex Luger, the Orlando Magic.
1: Wow. Um, yeah. Our last and final team is the Washington Wizards. Uh, give me, give me who you had for the Washington Wizards, Ben. Uh,
2: well, this is ending on kind of an anticlimax. That's I bad. didn't really uh, what a, what a forgettable team. Uh, I went with the Warlord just because. Warlord. Um, yeah, the warlord was kind of—he uh, was a deep cut. He was just kind of like this uh, random guy. He only had like a one or two year stretch of like relevance. Um, I think oh, he was wow. previously um, oh, someone, some other name. He was in a tag team, wasn't he? He, w- <laughs> yeah, he was with the Barbarian. Yeah. Um, and he was much like the Barbarian. He was just like a very tall, strong guy. Um, but then at like one point in like '91 or two, he decided to like kind of change his look, and he um, added this like it's like crazy like shoulder like armor yeah. and like a like a phantom of the opera type like pl- like face there is mask, some legion like, of half...
1: doom stuff happening
2: here oh yeah yeah, yeah. yep very very um uh, mad max much inspired in vogue to have shoulder pads. let's get some yeah. let's get some chains let's get some metal shoulder pads right. let's get some some face stuff, some some paint going on, and then he had like a big staff with a W on top, which I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, I don't know, yeah. W wizard. kind of all sure. I had.
1: Um, what I, same for me here. I know this is a wrestler you're real passionate about, but I had trouble with the Washington Wizards. Um, but the, the, the I can't really explain why this wrestler made sense. But the, the person I came up with was uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, uh, mm. a flamboyant hairdresser who liked clipping the locks <laughs> of his of his opponents. <laughs> And with his trademark shears. <laughs> uh, um, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, like two things, cutting and strutting. So, I mean, it's hard for me to put into words why the tandem makes sense. Maybe it's the element of, like, arrogance, kind of, like, humiliating their opponent, being humiliating. That's the that's the best that I could come up for, for the Washington Wizards. Um yeah, I didn't I just I had a hard time with this team. They uh, the, you know, the, they're a team that's like had these like really bizarre periods in their history between the Michael Jordan ownership, the uh mm-hmm. the uh Javaris Critton uh gun incident with uh Gilbert oh, Arendes, yeah, wow. right?
2: Yeah, agent 0. Now yeah. John
1: Wall is has a ruptured Achilles tendon, Bradley Beal is like trying to get the team to an 8th seed. It's just very strange strange history of uh basketball in there uh there in dc hmm, hmm. so um yeah the best
2: i could come up with was uh, brutus the barber beefcake i mean i would say that there's a little brutus beefcake i mean bradley beal brutus beefcake sure. um very offensively gifted but not really very defensively minded uh you know i don't know i kind of feel like that that works for beefcake i feel like he would uh, you know, take take a a, a licking pretty pretty well. Um, so it kind of makes sense in terms of like, you know, a, a high entertainment, but like not really, yeah, technically proficient. Yeah, or, I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's close enough. then we are gonna come in. At Holy shit! Three <laughs> hours. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, man. We have gone through yeah. the entire NBA. <laughs> With all of our MBA, with all of our WWF wrestling comps, um, congrats, we did it.
2: Boy, this felt like this felt like a Royal Rumble right I know, here. I, uh, I I feel like we were the we were the first two in and the last two out, insane. Chris. Uh, what a what is what a journey this was. Yes. Uh, we'll obviously have to uh, we'll have to post these results somewhere. Yes. Um, you know, let the, let the debate continue, folks. Sure. If you're if you're listening, if you have any uh, any ideas of your own, you know, let us know. Tweeted us, email us. That's right. Um, That's right. We we want to know how 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 these takes are, uh, you know, how these moves are are landing. And
1: without tipping our hand too much, Ben, we have some exciting changes uh, approaching on the podcast here. So. It will be an interesting couple of months. Uh, I will talk to you next week. Have a good weekend and uh, enjoy watching NBA basketball. A
2: pleasure as always, my friend. All right, congrats. You made it through the uh, the end of the
1: episode. My name is Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at us at Line underscore pod. Find us on Instagram. Check out previous episodes on our website, onthelinepodcast.com. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show in Apple google stitcher spotify wherever you get podcasts have a great week enjoy watching nba basketball if there's a wrestler that we miss that you think belongs to an nba team email us tweet at us whatever it is let us know um have a great week and i will talk to you in a little bit